Hi, this is an Alt-Shift-X live stream to talk about House of the Dragon episode 4. We are doing one of these live streams right after each episode of House of the Dragon, plus a edited, explained video later in the week, around Friday. So like and subscribe. And uh, my god, this truly was an episode of, of terrible decisions. I don't think there's a single character this episode who did not make a catastrophically bad decision. <laughs> Daemon uh, and Rhaenyra uh, had a bit of a public makeout session in a, in a brothel. And then Rhaenyra decided to have sex with Kristen Cole, the Kingsguard, who is sworn to secrecy, uh, sworn to chastity, rather. Uh, he's risking his life by having sex with the princess. Uh, King Viserys banished Daemon again and also fired his hand, Otto Hightower. Um, Alicent uh, confronted Rhaenyra in the Godswood and Rhaenyra lied to her, to the girl who had once been her best friend. Uh, a lie which, you know, <laughs> I could see coming back to bite her. I liked this last line in the episode, which is, it will rid you of any unwanted consequences. I feel like this episode is all about setting up unwanted consequences of horrifically bad decisions. So, uh, my god, there's a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. This stream will have no spoilers for future episodes of House of the Dragon. We'll just talk about uh, the show so far and compare to the books and compare to the rest of the story. Because uh, there is some interesting like contrasts and similarities with, with what goes on in the books. Because if you think that there was a lot of, you know, sex and secret affairs and, and rumors uh, about, you know, and gossip about sex in this episode. The books have, the books have twice as much. Uh, so we'll, we'll discuss that as well. Um, uh, thanks for the super chat from Bars and Bolts, who says, do you think that was Earl Grey? So we saw that uh, Grand Maester Melos brought a tea to Princess Rhaenyra that he said would, um, save her from unwanted consequences. So this is called moon tea. Um, and it's something that induces a period in women. So it like prevents pregnancy. So this is like Westerosi plan B pill. Um, and the maester talks about how, you know, he wants to, um, he brewed it very carefully so that it wouldn't have any like impact on her health because moon tea can be dangerous. So, in the books, if I'm remembering this rightly, so Lysa Aaron, who was the husband of John Aaron, and she's the one who threw people out the moon door and so on, and she got killed by Littlefinger in season four. Uh, Lysa Aaron had sex uh, with Littlefinger when she was young, and her father forced her to have moon tea to prevent her from getting pregnant. But the moon tea uh, affected her body badly, and... It's, it seems as though the moon tea damaged her reproductive system so that she wasn't able to have um, children very well. Like, she had a bunch of miscarriages and stuff. Um, and uh, Sweet Robin, John Aaron, was the product of, uh, of her. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, speculated that the moon tea did not do her any uh, favors there. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that more in the explained video as well. But, yeah, that's what the moon tea was. 
Uh, thanks for the super chat from Jacob, who says, uh, the, ad- the actor for Otto, Reese E. Fans, is so good. Made me feel bad for Otto. Yeah, I, I think the performance um, from Otto was really good. Because Otto, Otto told Viserys that Princess Rhaenyra hooked up with Daemon. And Otto has a lot to gain from saying that. Because Otto wants his grandson, baby Aegon, to be heir to the throne instead of Rhaenyra. So, like, it's good for Otto to make Rhaenyra look bad and to compromise Rhaenyra. But you really can see on Otto's face that he feels very uncomfortable, like, telling Viserys about this. Um, And when Viserys fires Otto, you know, we, we do feel bad for Otto, I think. Um, like we saw last episode how Otto was under pressure from his big brother, Herbert. And so you sort of wonder, you know, how much is Otto acting out of his own ambition and how much is he acting out of obligation for his family? You know, Otto comes from one of the richest, most powerful families in the realm. And I think he's got a lot of responsibility to, you know, further his family's interests. And, you know, I really like how Viserys tells him that. He just tell Viserys just says to Otto's face, like, you are acting by your own ambitions. I don't trust you anymore. Um, it, it's, it's all kind of true, but um, I wonder if Viserys is making the best decision here. Um, thanks for the super chat from Evan, who said, I really enjoyed the conversation between Viserys and Otto. Such a powerful scene. Yeah, I thought it was really well acted. Thanks for the super chat from uh, Saint who regrettably uses the word Targusi. Thanks for the super chat from Too Much Gaming, who says that was totally mushroom in the preview for next week. We'll have a look at the preview shortly. I mean, I did like the mummers scene. We had these like street performers who were doing a play about um, like the small folks perception of um, current political events. This guy kind of reminded me of Mushroom. Mushroom is a character in the Fire and Blood book who's a jester and he's one of the historical sources. And he he claims that all these people had sex with other people. Like, his version of this story that we're watching is a lot more salacious than uh, what the maesters write. And so Mushroom has an entirely different story about what went down between Rhaenyra and Daemon um, in this episode. So, according to Mushroom, <laughs> Mushroom says that... It, Mushroom says that Rhaenyra had the hots for Kristen Cole, the Kingsguard Knight. And so her plan to hook up with Kristen was to get sex lessons from Daemon. So Mushroom describes in great detail how Rhaenyra and Daemon would fly off on their dragons and go to secluded islands in Blackwater Bay uh, where they would... uh, where Rhaenyra was instructed in the womanly arts by Daemon, and they were, like, just uh, finagling each other all day uh, to train Rhaenyra to be good at sex. And then Rhaenyra came on to Kristen, and then Kristen rejected Rhaenyra, according to Mushroom, um, and, and that was the scandal that happened. Like, there's all these different versions of what the historians think went down between Rhaenyra and Daemon and Kristen. But what we saw in this episode was that Rhaenyra went out to a brothel with Daemon. They sort of made out a bit. And it looks like Daemon, like, couldn't get it up. Like, he looked, like, sexually impotent in this episode. That's what they talked about in the Inside the Episode. Which is interesting because, like, sexual failure of different kinds are connected to moral failure 
in A Song of Ice and Fire sometimes. Like, King Magor the Cruel was um, was the king before Jaehaerys. He is, um, he is a wonderful <laughs> bit of artwork. Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure I can show... Uh, I might have to zoom up here. Uh, this is King Magor, uh, seen here, licking blood off, off the sword, Blackfire. This artwork is by Chili Raven Art. And King Magor in the books, uh, he married six wives. Um, here's some more artwork by Chili, Chili Raven Art. He married six wives because he was trying to father a child. He was trying to create a baby and he couldn't get any of these women pregnant. And he kept saying, he kept blaming the women. He kept saying, oh, this woman is barren. So that's why I need to marry another woman. Um, and Magor was an evil dude. Uh, it's quite possible that he was a zombie, actually. He sort of was quite close to dying at one point. Um, and it seems as though uh, his mother, Visenya, and this sort of witch character, like, resurrected him. So it's possible the reason why he couldn't impregnate anyone was because he was a little bit of a zombie, is, I think, the implication. Anyway, this is sort of off topic, but um, my point is that in A Song of Ice and Fire, sometimes the failure to reproduce is connected to being evil or being sort of corrupt in some way, which itself is a whole can of worms. But my point is that, you know, Daemon's failure to perform sexually with Rhaenyra might be a sort of a symbol about his sort of moral failure. Like he's a bad dude in some sense. Um, I mean, I really like that in House of the Dragon, they are leaning on the sort of symbolism and the um, superstition aspects of it. Like the White Heart last episode, they're really leaning into that symbolism, which I think is really fun. Uh, thanks for Super Chat from Person and from Lance. Lance says, did the Queen's message that Cole delivered inadvertently tell him that he was a rebound? If so, could that plant the seed for future resentment? Yeah, so Kristen Cole delivered a message to Rhaenyra. So are you saying that maybe Kristen found out that Rhaenyra allegedly hooked up with Daemon and you think that Kristen might be mad that Rhaenyra hooked up with Daemon. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I did enjoy um, those shots later on of um, Rhaenyra hanging out with Daemon and, and seeing Daemon after having had sex with him. Like, the awkwardness, the discomfort on uh, Kristen's face uh, was so apparent. Um, because, obviously, as a Kingsguard knight, you are not meant to have sex. You are sworn to chastity. Just like the Night's Watch and the Maesters and stuff... Um, it is a, it is a big no-no to have sex when you're on the King's Guard, especially when you are having sex with the princess of the realm and the heir to the throne. Uh, Sir Kristen could very easily have his head cut off for having had sex with Rhaenyra. There was a, a recent controversy, um, under the old King Jaehaerys. There was this King's Guard fella called Lucamore the Lusty, and it was found out that this King's Guard guy... He not only uh, broke his vows and had sex, he actually had three wives <laughs> and a bunch of children. This Kingsguard guy secretly got married three times and had a bunch of kids. And so he like confessed to King Jaehaerys like, oh, I'm so sorry for breaking my vows and having all these kids. Um, and he got executed for it, I think. Um, so, you know, th th there's a long history of Kingsguard people breaking their vows and it's always a bad idea. So like Kristen is terrified at this point, I think. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what their vibe is in the future. Um, because it was interesting, like, you know, Rhaenyra seemed sort of playful with Kristen after they had had sex. 
um, maybe Rainier doesn't fully understand um, how potentially dangerous this is. Uh, unsourced in the la- in the super chat says Kristen deserves better than being a side piece. Yeah, well, I wonder, you know, how Rhaenyra sees Kristen now. Like, like, is Rhaenyra going to continue to want to um, hook up with Kristen? Is she going to want to get with Damon after she got a taste of her uncle? Uh, my God, it's, it's so much fucked up relationships. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Jake and from Courtney. Courtney says, is there anything to be said for Rhaenyra being in a greenish outfit and Alicent in a black red outfit when they're talking in the Godswood? There may well be. I mean, co- all, all the colors and outfits are always very important. Um, like I like how Alicent's outfit is looking very Targaryen-y. Like there are these dragon heads on her dress and her shoulders look very sort of like proud and regal, almost like dragon wings or something. Um, And her prior outfit here in the Godswood, this is a very Targaryen outfit with the black and red. So Alicent is is wearing the clothes of a Targaryen queen, you know, Um, whereas Rhaenyra is still so often wearing yellow. And I think Rhaenyra, you know, Rhaenyra not wearing black and red sort of suggests that she's not fully taking on the role of a Targaryen heir. I mean, we mentioned in the previous video that Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra is really not acting like a politician. Rhaenyra is not acting like the heir to the throne, um, at least not yet. Like, you know, she's just sort of mucking around, riding into the forest, macking with her uncle. She's not behaving like a proper politician. And that contrasts with Alicent, who is who is so acting like a proper politician. And, you know, she hates it. Like, they, they showed us how lonely and, and sad Alicent is this episode. Like, she feels trapped. She doesn't have any friends. Like, she's got this gross old man having sex with her. Um, that was so disturbing, like, the sex scene between Alicent and Viserys, where Viserys had all of these visible, like, wounds and sores on his body from, from the throne and, like, infections. Like, this, this man is rotting and while, and he's having sex with Alicent. And, yeah, so, you know, and I think it's really interesting how Alicent... Uh, in this episode was sort of, you know, defending, oh, you know, it's not so bad being a princess. It's not so bad being a queen. Like, you know, this is the way it is and we've got to just make the best of it. And it's like, because she's trapped in this system, you know, she has kids now. She has two kids now. We saw a a daughter. Alison now has a baby daughter as well as a baby son, Aegon. Um, So, you know, she's, she's locked into the system now. So all she can do is make the best of this relationship with Viserys. And I think Rhaenyra sees that and Rhaenyra does not want to get locked in to some uncomfortable relationship trapped in a castle like Alicent is. And Rhaenyra also talks this episode about how she doesn't want to die in childbirth. You know, Rhaenyra's mother, Emma, died in childbirth. That was very traumatic for Rhaenyra. So I think she's afraid of the same thing happening to her if she gets married. Um, And... Uh, Rhaenyra's grandmother, Raina, uh, sorry, Daella Targaryen, also died in childbirth. So there's a long legacy of, you know, marriage leading to death, and she's afraid of that. Um, thanks for the super chat from Ramon, who says, Did Otto use his press rights to not reveal the source? Yeah, that was funny when uh, when Otto and Viserys were talking, and Viserys wanted to know who told uh, Otto about... Rhaenyra having sex with Damon, and Otto refused to reveal his sources. You've got to protect your sources when you're a, when you're a ha- uh, hand of the king. There's no ma- uh, master of whisperers at the moment, which is interesting. Like remember in Game of Thrones, Varys was the spy master, the master of whisperers, and so he had all these little birds who were 
who were spying on things. But this time, we saw this little boy who reported on uh, Rhaenyra and Daemon to, um, to Otto and then to the king. And that little boy was working for Mizaria, the White Worm, uh, who is, you know, Daemon's uh, on and off lover. And I thought it was, yeah, so here's this little boy um, who we see... It seems as though the boy is giving Mazaria money. I'm not sure why Mazaria is taking money from the street urchin. <laughs> um, I feel like Mazaria should be paying the urchin. But the point is that that boy is spying for Mazaria. And I thought it was really interesting that Mazaria told Otto that Damon slept with Rhaenyra, which undermines Damon and gets him banished. Um, I wonder if Mazaria is trying to like get back at Damon for you know, not protecting her like he promised to. Because, like, this is, you know, Daemon's been off fighting in the Stepstones for a year or two. Um, I think Mazaria's angry at Daemon. I mean, Mazaria calls herself a protector of Daemon in that, you know, she gave him somewhere to crash when he was wasted. Um, but I think Mizaria's like, acting against uh, Daemon by telling Otto about hooking up with Rhaenyra. That's curious to me. Um, Otto's money. Yeah, you're saying that Otto paid Mazaria for the information. Yeah, I, I, I guess that, I guess that is it. Yeah, I, I also find it confusing that she's working with Otto. Um, maybe she is like a unofficial master of whisperers for Otto. Yeah, I mean they call her a white worm. She's, uh, she, she, she's a worm. She is corrupt. You know, she's pretending to be Damon's friend, but she's really not. Which is, um, yeah, super interesting. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, oh yeah, it should say uh, episode four on the top. We can uh, we can fix that real quick. Let's make a little text box, and let's make it say four, <laughs> and let's uh, put that. Uh, oh. Yeah, whatever. Well, it's it's meant to be four. Ah, sorry, whatever. Um, so, what else happened? Thanks for the super chat from Jude, who says, always miss the live stream, just wanted to join in. Thanks for the super chat from Brian, who says, the show's bias against the Greens continues. Otto equals morally bankrupt politician. Rhaenyra equals blameless protagonist who is a victim of society. I don't really agree. Like, there, there were a lot of moments in this episode and in the previous episode of people telling Rhaenyra that she's making bad choices. Um, like, you know, the, like, right, like, Alicent was telling Rhaenyra in the Godswood that, you know, you're being sort of ungrateful to Viserys. And, like, Kristen in the previous episode told Rhaenyra, hey, like, you're a princess. Like, people would gladly trade places with you. You have it really good. You're in a position of privilege. Um, and I think it's pretty obvious that Rhaenyra is sort of putting Kristen in a really bad decision. I mean, you know, it was Kristen's decision to have sex with her. But um, I don't think this episode and this show is being entirely sympathetic to Rhaenyra. She is, like, a protagonist. Like, she's the protagonist. I think, more than anyone else. But Rhaenyra is not totally blameless here, I don't think. Um, but, you know, something they do emphasize is definitely, like, the unfairness and the hypocrisy that men can have sex with whoever they want, but women are not allowed to. And women are considered to be sullied and, you know, unmarriageable if they've lost their virginity or whatever. 
Um, thanks for the super chat from Joshua, who says, A princess removing a knight's armor is top-tier romance. Yeah, I mean, look, it would be a lot more romantic if she wasn't so young. I think Rainier is meant to be, like, 18 at this point. She's even younger in the books. Um, it's probably a good thing that they aged up the characters. Uh, and um, thanks for the super chat from C, who says, What do you think was going on in Sir Cole's mind? Yeah, Kristen, I, well, Kristen knows how dangerous it is for him to have sex as a king's guard. So I think he knows that he's made a bad mistake. Thanks for a super chat from Gabriella, who says, is this the accurate telling? The book was written by Mushroom and the Maester, but I thought Cole rejected her. Yeah, well, there, yeah, as I said, there are lots of different accounts of what really happened here. Um, and in some of the accounts, Kristen Cole rejected um, Rhaenyra, but there are, there are various versions of what happened. Thanks for the super chat from Joe, who said, Did Damon deliberately make the makeout session public to make her position less stable? Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Um, so, so when Rhaenyra and Damon were going out and hanging out with the common people and then going to the brothel, Rhaenyra was wearing this this rather fetching beanie to hide her Targaryen blonde hair. But Damon took off her hat when they went into the brothel before they started making out. Um, so, yeah, I think Damon was deliberately making Rhaenyra no longer anonymous um, so that people would know that he hooked up with Rhaenyra. Like, he took her to, like, a semi-public place to do this. He could have gone somewhere private, but he, he took off her disguise and did it in public because I think that, you know, later on, Damon said to King Viserys, hey, let me marry Rhaenyra and, you know, we will be the people on the throne. Um, so I think that part of Damon's motivation for hooking up with Rhaenyra was that he wanted to force Viserys to let him marry her. Um I think that Viserys is right, that to some extent Damon is using Rhaenyra for political aim and for political ambition. Because um, if it becomes known that Damon and Rhaenyra had sex, then other people aren't going to want to marry her, and it might be seen as necessary to marry Damon to Rhaenyra. Um, so, yeah, it, it, this was a political act that Damon was using Rhaenyra for, I think, for sure. Thanks for the super chat from Potsdam, who says... Surprised by the de-handing of Otto, he came off as very innocent in that scene. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job of giving Otto some layers. Thanks for the super chat from Saruna, who says, wondering if she has to douse the coal in her furnace with that tea. Yeah, <laughs> yes, metaphorically, that is what she's doing with the moon tea. It induces a period so that she won't get pregnant. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Flavor, who says, love seeing the Blackwood and Bracken hostility. Yeah, um, we d we have not gotten to see the Blackwoods and the Brackens in the original TV show so far. Um, so, you know, we had this scene where Rhaenyra was sitting in what I believe is Storm's End, the ancient castle of the Baratheons, one of the strongest castles in the realm. And we've never seen that in the original show. Um, but we've got this long procession of lords who are presenting themselves to Rhaenyra and saying, hey, you should marry me. And then Rhaenyra keeps going, swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. It's like those clickbait uh, Tinder in real life videos. She's choosing who she wants to marry. And these are the eligible bachelors of Westeros. And so she sees that, you know, most of them are these crotchety old men who she has no interest in. Uh, but then we get this young boy who is a Brack... Who, sorry, is a Blackwood. The Blackwoods are super cool 
uh, because they are a family in the Riverlands who worship the old gods, uh, which are mostly only worshipped in the north. Um, the Lord of uh, Raven Tree Hall in the time of the Game of Thrones books is uh, Titos Blackwood, who has an incredibly cool cloak made out of raven feathers. Um, and the Blackwoods are just are just generally just straight up cool dudes. Um, uh, Blood Raven was half Blackwood, uh, who's one of the most mysterious characters in the series. But the Blackwoods have an ancient rivalry with this house called the Brackens. Um, and House Bracken is also in the Riverlands. They don't worship the old gods. Uh, but they have this like ancient, ancient uh, grudge and they've been killing each other for ages. So it's pretty fun <laughs> that this uh, this Bracken guy kept insulting the Blackwood guy, which is just that's just what Blackwoods and Brackens do. Uh, and then they just fought a duel for Rhaenyra just in the middle of Storm's End out of nowhere. Um, he was being such a dick, that Bracken guy. Uh, but then the Blackwood got his revenge by fighting against the uh, Bracken and killing him. I don't know if he was meant to be like the Lord of of Stonehenge. Is it Stonehenge that the Brackens rule? I, but this, this Blackwood kid just kills a Bracken, which again seems like a sort of a wildly violent thing to happen on a formal occasion. It's a bit like in episode one of House of the Dragon when all of those knights just started murdering each other in the middle of the tournament. Like, that's not normally okay. I, I guess, like, what they might be going for with all the random violence in House of the Dragon is that, you know, just like Rhaenys was saying in episode one, this is a time full of pent-up aggressions. Like, it's been a peaceful realm for, like, a while now, and I think there's a lot of pent-up violence and aggression and sexuality and people want to get out and swing swords and sow seeds and young dumb and full of all sorts of stuff and um i think that's why some of this violence is happening it's like this tension it's like this bubbling energy that wants to be let out um it's like something that frank herbert might have written um so yeah it's very cool to see the blackwoods and the brackens um and it's good to see the blackwoods come out on top Thanks for the super chat. Oh, and also, I, I would note that this, um, this like, procession of, you know, Rhaenyra touring the kingdoms and getting to choose from all of the eligible bachelors lined up for her. This is evocative of something that happens uh, later on in the Fire and Blood book. And again, I, I won't spoil anything, but there is a king um, later on, far later on in the story, who who has a similar event where... He's single and ready to mingle, so he gets all of these eligible bachelorettes from all around the realm. There's like there's like a thousand girls who all line up in front of the Iron Throne, and uh, the king just sort of meets them one by one and decides which one he wants to marry. And it's described as a cattle show <laughs> in the books, just like the absurdity of this long queue of, of single women who the king is choosing from. And so they've, um, they're doing a similar thing for Rhaenyra here. But Rhaenyra gets sick of it because she's not interested in all of these old men and boys. And so she sails home to King's Landing, um, which is, uh, I mean, you'd think that they could have sent a few hot people, right? I mean, why didn't some of these lords send some of their, like, you know, hot sons, the heirs to the houses? Um, it, surely they could have found someone who Rhaenyra might have been attracted to. Uh, this this guy here, by the way, is Boromund Baratheon. He's the Lord of Storm's End. He's an ancestor of King Bobby B. Baratheon and Renly and Stannis. Um, and so he's an important, powerful lord. 
Thanks for the super chat from Pulsar, who says, I like how Viserys is finally doing what is best for the realm instead of trying to make everyone happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it might make sense for Viserys to fire Otto. Like, like it, it is true that Otto sometimes acts in the interests of uh, his family instead of in the interests of the realm. Um, but I, I think it might have been a mistake for Viserys to make Otto into an enemy, you know? Like, he was so aggressive to Otto and telling him that, um, you know, I, I think it would have been smart if Viserys was a bit more diplomatic when he fired Otto. Um because you want Otto to be a friend. Otto is still a very important and powerful person. And he is the father of um, Alicent, his wife, you know. Do you really want to piss off your father-in-law that much? Uh, you got to sort of... It's better to have him as a friend, I would think. I'll just put the four over here so that we don't have the wrong bloody number. There we go. All right. <laughs> That's better. Thanks for the super chat from Ben, who says, In Game of Thrones, they say the dragons became dog-sized. When does that happen? They are still big, 200 years before. Um, yeah, so I don't think this is a spoiler, but um, th th there is this idea that when dragons are kept in captivity, they become smaller and weaker. So we were told that in the Dragon Pit in Game of Thrones Season 7, Daenerys told Jon Snow that when they started keeping dragons in the Dragon Pit, the dragons sort of stopped being as big and powerful. Um, and... We will learn more about, like, how all of that goes down. And it's, I mean, it still is mysterious. I mean, there, there, there's some characters in the books who claim that there's a maester conspiracy against the dragons. So some people think that maybe the maesters poisoned the dragons or something. Um, and, you know, there's also this idea that Daenerys in the main books, she keeps her dragons, Rhaegal and Viserion, locked away under Marine. And as a result, they are not as large as her main dragon, Drogon. So, yeah, it is sort of supported in the text that locking the dragons indoors tends to make them not grow as large. But we're going to learn a lot more about the dragons as we go along. Thanks for the super chat from V, who says, Do you think the ending, specifically when the maester talks about the Targaryens birthing monstrous things if the moon tea is weak, confirms dragon morph theory? Uh, well, the maester did not mention dragon babies, I don't think. But yeah, there is a history of Targaryens giving birth to, like, deformed dragon-like babies on occasion, like Daenerys does in book one, her, her stillborn baby, Rhaegar. Um, dragon morph theory? I don't know what you mean by dragon morph. I mean, you know, there certainly is the idea that Targaryens literally have the blood of dragons like they might have been the result of valyrian blood magic hybridization experiments or something crazy like that um so i think it does make a lot of sense actually that there is some sort of biological dna connection between dragons and targaryens and some of their birth deformities might be related to that uh thanks for the super chat from caitlin who says do you think daemon is using rhaenyra or does he love her so yeah i, I think that um there is a real connection and a real attraction between Daemon and Rhaenyra. I mean, we saw that since um, episode one of House of the Dragon, you know, when um, Viserys, when Daemon gave Rhaenyra this necklace, you know, that was this sort of intimate moment between them. 
Um, so I think there is like a real attraction and a real connection. I mean, you can certainly wonder if Daemon is like grooming Rhaenyra or if he's like planning to want to hook up with her at some point. And so he's got sort of impure motivations and it's like an abusive thing, like because of the gap in power and because of the gap in age. Um, and you know, like, like the situation that Daemon put Rhaenyra in, in the brothel, um, you know, she talked about how Damon was her escort and she feel like she didn't have a lot of choice about where she went or what she did. So there's definitely like a nasty undercurrent to it. <laughs> Maybe not even an undercurrent. It's a, it's a whole nasty situation, I think. Um, and Damon is, is using her politically, you know, because marrying the heir to the throne uh, would be a way for Damon to get power potentially. Um, but I think on top of that, you know, Damon is someone who is seeking validation and is seeking um a connection with people and it seems as though you know he seems to have lost <laughs> he seems to have lost that connection with his brother Viserys it doesn't seem as though Daemon is seeking Viserys's validation so much anymore so i think on some level Daemon is seeking validation from Rhaenyra uh which might lead to some very unhealthy relationships <laughs> My God, everyone makes bad decisions this episode. So yeah, look, I, I think it's complicated between Damon and Rhaenyra, but it's uh, it's it's not what you'd call a wholesome model of <laughs> a, a, a good relationship. Uh, thanks for the super chat from James, who says, "Was Alicent brewing sweet sleep? Is that why she's not harming herself now?" Also glad to see what Blackwoods and Brackens doing what they do best. I don't know what you mean about Alicent harming herself. Uh, I mean, one thing that is interesting is that, you know, it, it's very much the maester who brings moon tea to Rhaenyra. And we've seen that Grand Maester Melos has been working closely with Otto. So I wonder if the Hightowers, like, sent the moon tea for Rhaenyra because, because if Rhaenyra gave birth to a son that would potentially make Rhaenyra's claim to the throne stronger. Um, like, that's something they talked about at the Great Council of Harrenhal, when they talked about Rhaenys Targaryen potentially being queen. Uh, the fact that Rhaenys had a male heir, Laenor, was considered a point in her favor. Her favor. If you have a male heir, that means that um, you, ha you have a succession from you, you know? So it makes you a better claimant to the throne. Um, some people might even think that, you know, like if Rhaenyra had a son by Daemon, like that would combine the claims. Like some people think that Daemon should be the heir to the throne. Some people think Rhaenyra should be the heir, the heir to the throne. If Daemon and Rhaenyra have a son, that son would combine Daemon and Rhaenyra's claims. So, yeah, I, I think it's possible that the Hightowers might want Rhaenyra to not have that child. They might want to prevent that child because that child could replace Alicent's baby Aegon as the strongest claimant to the throne, for sure. Um, so, you know, so much of what this show is about is about the connectedness of the biological and the political, like women's bodies as a political object, because who's boning who is of critical importance to the political stability of the realm, you know? And I think that's why fundamentally this medieval royal family drama, I think the reason why Game of Thrones is such a engaging and, and, and fun and dramatic and colorful story is because um, the structure of a royal family makes intimate personal connections massively important. 
it, it, it makes it important at scale, you know, at the scale of realms, at the, at the scale of kingdoms. Kingdoms rise and fall based on who dicks who, <laughs> you know? So I think that's sort of what makes uh, House of the Dragon so cool. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Will, who says, Kristen going to be hated in future episodes now. Yeah, Kristen, Kristen fucked up. You should not bone the princess. Thanks for the super chat from JMO, who said, did you notice the dudes wearing the spiral striped outfits? Did you mean those, uh, mummers who, um, who Rhaenyra and Damon ran past those, um, those street performers? Yeah, they looked funny. Thanks for the super chat from Brandon, who says, love your videos, especially this new series. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for the super chat from Argo, who says that Spy Boy was paid by Mazaria, planned by Damon. No, I don't think that was planned by Damon. I think that, yeah, I think that the boy was paid. Um, I think that the boy was paid by Otto to pay Mazaria. It looks as though Mazaria was informing for um, Otto. Thanks for the super chat from Nick, who says, Benjicott Blackwood sighting. Uh, yeah, so there are some specific Blackwood characters in the books. I, I think that they said he was someone else, the the Blackwood boy. I don't think he's Benjicott. Did they introduce his name? Did they say his name? Yeah, he. I guess he. I guess that could be Benjicott Blackwood. But you know, we, we'll we'll find out in the future. Thanks for the super chat from Gabriella, who said, I feel like the female director didn't hit the mark. Had no clue dude couldn't get hard. Honestly, thought he reconsidered due to her heavy eye contact. Yeah, so in the inside the episode, they said that, like, Damon couldn't get it up. And that's why he didn't have sex with Rhaenyra. Um, whereas, yeah, like, I had the same impression in the episode itself that Damon just, like, chose not to have sex with Rhaenyra because he sort of realized it was a bad idea. Um, but in the inside the episode, they were saying, like, Damon, like, wanted to but couldn't. Which is really interesting because, like, they did a similar thing in episode one when Damon was having sex with Mazaria, but, like, he couldn't come or, like, he couldn't finish or whatever. Um, so, you know, Damon's, like, sexual frustration, which I think is a really good metaphor for Damon's character because Damon is someone who just, uh, can't get no satisfaction. Um, he just feels like he can't get what he wants and he can't get release and he's got all of this energy that's just pent up just like all of those knights killing each other you know he all this violence and all this chaotic energy because he just can't satisfy himself you know which you know maybe that's gross but i think it's a good analogy for for what's going on with daemon um thanks for the super chat from sukariari who says the sly little sarah reference when they talk about jaharis's response to rainier's actions oh cool i didn't catch that sarah uh targaryen was a daughter of jaharis who, similar to Rhaenyra, had a bunch of, like, secret, scandalous sexual exploits, and then she ran off to a brothel, and uh, Jaehaerys really failed to reconcile with her, and um, so she f fathered a bunch of bastards off on the east and, and never came back. Thanks for the super chat from Andrew, who says, what are the chances of you uploading your... DOTD explainer to Nebula because I absolutely would pay for a subscription to see that again. DOTD, what is DOTD? Are you trying to say House of the Dragon? All of the Old Shift X videos are on Nebula, um, so not sure what you mean. Thanks for the super chat from Jim, who says the shots made it look like a fantasy as it was cutting back and forth between nearly making out and then they turned away. Um, 
yeah, Damon and Rhaenyra did not actually have sex. They just uh, got warmed up and then Rhaenyra went off to Kristen Cole. Thanks for the super chat from CIE, who says, Digging the more muted colour palette and general cinematography. Yeah, I mean, certainly compared to other episodes, this one was a bit more of a dark and moody um, episode compared to, like, the splendour of the tournaments and stuff. I I guess it was, you'd call it an action-light episode because, you know, there was no violence in this episode. There was just a bunch of sex. Um, I thought it was funny that, you know, while Rhaenyra was on the boat back to King's Landing... Uh, Daemon swooped over, <laughs> swooped over the ship on his dragon Caraxes just because he's he's that kind of guy and he wants to cause a ruckus and he wants to get attention, so he like swoops the ship and almost injured Rhaenyra. Um, and, and I feel like they did that mostly for the trailers because a bunch of the House of the Dragon trailers have showed that shot of Caraxes swooping on the ship and making it rock. Um, it, it doesn't really lead to anything. Like, it's a pretty inconsequential moment, but they got to use that dramatic shock, shot in the previews. I, I feel like the show is afraid of not having any action in the episodes for fear that people will lose interest. But um, I, I, think that, I think that some of the most interesting stuff in this show is just the conversations and the relationships and the scandalous drama that happens. I don't think they need dragons in every single episode. Thanks for the super chat from Morakia, who says, Alicent was coming off awfully hypocritical when confronting Rhaenyra. Um, yeah, so it, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, like why was Alicent so angry at Rhaenyra? Like, I, I feel like there might be an element of envy here. Like, Alicent is angry that Rhaenyra gets to go off and have fun and leave the Red Keep and have sex with whoever she wants, because that is all the freedom that Alicent does not have. And I do really, you know, it seems so apparent to me that, you know, part of Alison's anger is that, you know, she is trapped in this ugly marriage with Viserys and she has kids now. So it's like she, she, she can't run away from this now. You know, this is this is inescapable for her, this situation that she's in. And I think that, you know, because she's bought into this relationship, um, she feels a lot of like she, I think she might be projecting a lot of anger onto Rhaenyra. Um, you might, I guess you might call it internalized misogyny or something. Um, but it's so tragic that Rhaenyra is in a situation where she, she lies to Alicent, like just when they had started to be friends again, like they had just had this moment in the Godswood where they really started sort of reconnecting and let's be friends again. But then right after Rhaenyra lies to Alicent, I I mean, like, you know, Millie Alcock, the actor in the, inside the episode said that, oh, Rhaenyra technically didn't lie because, you know, Rhaenyra only swore that she didn't have sex with Damon. And, you know, technically Rhaenyra did not have sex with Damon. She had sex with Kristen Cole, so it's fine. Um, But, you know, I I think that Alicent, if she finds out that Rhaenyra, you know, lied about not having sex that night, um, that might, um, that might make Alicent feel betrayed. And of course, you know, they talk about how much it sucks that it's such a terrible crime for a girl to have sex. But, you know, Viserys and Damon were talking about um, having sex all the time when they were younger um, at brothels and stuff. And that's just A-OK. I-, I liked seeing sort of the brotherly the brotherly bond between Damon and Viserys being explored. Like the books talk about how um, Viserys really had fond memories about growing up with Damon and how Damon was such like a fun, adventurous boy when when they were kids growing up. And so that's a big part of why Viserys is 
why Viserys puts up with so much of Daemon's bullshit for so long is that, you know, Daemon sort of represents Viserys' childhood and, like, a more carefree time. Um, and I think, in a way, you know, Viserys is probably envious of Daemon. Like, Daemon has so much freedom compared to Viserys, and Viserys hates the responsibilities that he has, you know? I, I think e- even this shot is such a funny shot. Like, this is, this is such a awkward facial expression that Viserys has right now because he's trying to frown. He's trying to he's trying to be stern like a king, but he's also smiling because he likes his brother, you know? So, the, uh, even this uncomfortable face, I feel like it says a lot about Viserys' character because he is simultaneously trying to be a politician but wanting to be a brother at the same time. You know, Viserys is so, so conflicted. Um... The the arrival, this scene is less dramatic than it is in the book. So, I wonder if they might... I, 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 yeah, I guess they've just changed it. Because in the books, um, Daemon returns from the Stepstones with his crown of the, of the Narrow Sea. He, he swoops down on Dragonback during a tournament. He just turns up unannounced in the middle of a tournament and presents his brother with his crown. Actually, I think there might be some... Um, I think there might be some artwork of that. Yeah, here we are. This is this is some artwork by Chase Stone of this moment in the books, um, where Damon Targaryen, Matt Smith, he swoops down on Caraxes and presents his 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 crown of the Narrow Sea to Viserys. This is how it's depicted, um, and I suppose that there is meant to be Alicent, and that there is meant to be Rhaenyra. I suppose, in this artwork. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting that they, they, they changed that. Like, mostly they've been very faithful to the books um, so far. Like, they've invented a lot of the details because the book is very, very um, not detailed. But, yeah, kind of a shame that he didn't do that on Caraxes, in my opinion. Thanks for the super chat from Star, who says, Have you seen anything related to Witcher? Uh, I'm not really into The Witcher, but um, maybe someday. Thanks for the super chat from Sigo, who says, Since Viserys has now cut off his hand, will the moral slash physical corruption end? Yeah, that that's a great question. Like, um, you know, we, we've seen Viserys's body break down progressively as the series has gone on. He cut his finger in episode one, and then in episode two, he lost two of his... Well, his fingers were rotting in episode two. And then in episode three, he had to amputate two of his fingers. And now we see that, you know, there's like sores all over his body and stuff. So, you know, this idea that his hand is corrupt. Otto Hightower is his hand of the king. Um, And now he tells Otto, you know, you're corrupt. I'm cutting you off. I'm sending you away. So, um, So, yeah, maybe amputating his corrupt hand will save his body. Um, but, you know, we've seen now that, you know, like when he was having sex with Alicent, there were like sores and gangrenous dark patches all over his back. So I fear that the corruption has spread beyond his hand at this point. Thanks for the super chat from Clarence, who says, do you think the Kristen scene was meant to be seen as consensual? The scene felt very tonally disjointed. Um, I think it was pretty clear that like, I mean, Rhaenyra initiated it. Rhaenyra kissed Kristen and started pulling off his armor and stuff. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know how the consent works with like the age gap and whatever. But um, I think Rhaenyra was clearly the person who initiated this. 
Um, but it truly is like a horrifically bad idea for Kristen to break his vows. Like it's treason to have sex with the princess out of wedlock. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just going to cause a lot of problems for the both of them. And I think they both knew it. And that's, that, that's the whole forbidden love thing, you know? I mean, I think there was some detectable, um, sexual tension between Kristen and Rhaenyra for a while now. Like back in episode one, Rhaenyra had this had this very thirsty smirk when she met Kristen Cole. Um, and then, you know, out at the campfire and stuff, you know, th- th- there was some chemistry between Rainier and Kristen for a long time, I think. So, you know, I don't think it's shocking that they are into each other. I mean, I mean, it was so interesting, like, you know, even when, when we started, when, um, when, Rainiera said goodnight to Kristen and went to her bedroom to sleep for the night. Um, it's going to be so uncomfortable for Kristen now, standing outside the bedroom of this girl he had sex with, um, knowing what happened and knowing the potential consequences of it. I mean, Kristen would have such strong feelings right now. No, like, if this gets found out, he's fucked. So he must be full of regret. And this is something that, you know, George Martin has played with in A Song of Ice and Fire. Like, there's a character called um, Aris Okart in the books who hooks up with uh, Ariane Martel, who's another book-only character. Um, and they call him the, 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 soiled, the soiled knight um, because he has symbolically dirtied his his white cloak by having sex and breaking his vows. I mean, it, it's no coincidence that, like, every second bloody, you know, social order in Westeros is sworn to chastity. The maesters are sworn to have no sex. The Night's Watch is sworn to have no sex. The Kingsguard is sworn to have no sex. Because George Martin loves that forbidden love, the forbidden fruit, the forbidden desire. And he loves the internal conflict that comes from that. The forbidden romance is always his favourite. Like Jon Snow and Ygritte, you know, two sides of the wall, Montagues and Capulets, um, so star-crossed lovers. Um, so, yeah, he's all over that. Thanks for the super chat from Topher, who says, we're teetering on the edge of comedy of errors territory with this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I got to agree. Like, like, everyone is just making a terrible decision. Um, like, like, you know, Rhaenyra hooking up with Damon, I mean, Damon hooking up with Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra hooking up with Kristen, uh, Viserys antagonizing Damon and, uh, Viserys antagonizing Otto, uh, Rhaenyra and Alicent, uh, lying to each other and antagonizing each other in the future, you know, could be worse potentially, um, Mazaria seems to be working against Daemon because Mazaria told Otto about Daemon hooking up with, uh, Rhaenyra. So yeah, I agree. Like everyone is just creating drama with everybody else. Uh, welcome to House of the Dragon. This is kind of what it's about. Um, there, there, there's, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of betrayal and scandal. Thanks for the super chat from Dylan, uh, who asks, is Otto more like Littlefinger or like Ned Stark? I think Otto is absolutely more like Littlefinger than Ned Stark. I mean, I I really, really like what they did by showing us Otto with his brother Herbert, um, because that sort of gave Otto a sort of a long-suffering vibe. I mean, we we got that, you know, like in the small council scenes with Otto, um, there were these moments where, I mean, like, you know, Otto was trying to get Rhaenyra to behave herself. And then, you know, Rhaenyra was giving Otto all this back, back talk. And I think Otto had this sort of resigned to everyone disrespecting him sort of vibe. Um, like, 
and in the small council scene as well. Like, you know, Damon was insulting Otto's dead wife to his face. Like, Damon was mocking Otto's dead wife, and Otto just had to stand there and take it. And King Viserys sided with Damon, mocking Otto over his dead wife. So it's like, you know, we have seen Otto have to put up with a lot of shit. Um, and I, I think it, you know, I think that they're doing a good job of making Otto a bit sympathetic. At the same time, Otto is like a calculating, ambitious dude who is using his daughter Alicent, his teenage daughter. Um, trying to get her to have sex with the king for the political advancement of his house. So, like, he's not a great guy. But I like that they're making him lay it. Like, people were asking, like, you know, is this series biased on one side or the other? And uh, at least, you know, I mean, it's it's up to the viewer, like, you know, who you feel sympathetic to. But I think they're doing a pretty good job of showing that both sides um, are making mistakes and have sort of good sides and bad sides. I mean, I, I would say that, like, you know, Viserys and Rhaenyra seem to have, like, good intentions, but 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 tiny little brains. <laughs> like, Viserys and Rhaenyra are both making some, like, bad choices, um, but, but they have good intentions. Whereas I think, like, Otto and Alicent both come off as a bit manipulative. But I mean, Alicent is sort of forced into that situation by Otto. So, you know, I, I but, but, you know, Daemon, Daemon is a dickhead. I mean, Daemon is violent. Daemon hooks up with his teenage niece. Like, I, I think Daemon is probably the most villainous main character. Um, but, but, you know, people may disagree. And that's something that George Martin and Ryan Condal talked about in all the press for this show. People will have disop- di- different opinions on who's good or who's, who's bad. Um, but at least the way I see it, I, th- I think Daemon and Otto are certainly, like, the most villainous characters. Um, and I-, I suppose Rhaenyra and Viserys tend to be the more sympathetic, but they both make terrible choices. And things will continue to develop. Thanks for the super chat from L Danger, who says, We see a red and white dragon in the preview. Yeah, um, I think that's uh, Sea Smoke and Melisse. The dragons of Lenor and Rhaenys. Thanks for the super chat from Avery, who was much enthused about the Blackwood versus Bracken. Yeah, there's um, there's going to be more and more uh, other houses involved in the story later on. So I think they're setting some groundwork there. Master Yoda says, what do you think about the knife scene? Yeah, let's talk about the knife. They talked again about prophecy, um, which is really interesting. So, you know, one of the great disappointments for book fans of the original Game of Thrones show is that they really did not do justice to the prophecy stuff. There are lots of different prophetic dreams that people have, like, the, you know, in the Game of Thrones books, there's this stuff about, you know, Cersei will be killed by her Valonqar, and Valonqar means little brother. So people think, you know, Cersei thinks that Tyrion is going to kill her because of a prophecy. Um, but a lot of readers suspect that Jamie will be the one to kill her. Um, but of course, in the show, uh, the the villain that defeats Cersei is um, is Bricks. I mean, no, I mean the, the death of Cersei could have been worse in the Game of Thrones show because I think that the Red Keep collapsing on her was like a symbol of her ambition for power, destroying her. You know, it was like self destruction. But my point, my point is that there's a lot of prophecy stuff in the books that the Game of Thrones show did not include. Um, But one of the 
central, the central prophecy in A Song of Ice and Fire is the prophecy of the prince that was promised, or Azora High. Um, so this is like the chosen one who is prophesied to defeat the White Walkers in the Long Night. And there's a lot of different versions of this prophecy. Like there's like Eastern versions that call it Azora High, and uh, Melisandre believes that Stannis is the chosen one, Azora High, which does not seem to be going all that well. Um, whereas at one point, Maester Aemon believes that Daenerys is Azor Ahai, and there's a lot of hints that Jon Snow might be Azor Ahai. Um, so there's this whole question of who is going to defeat the White Walkers. Um, and they did mention this prophecy in the Game of Thrones show, but they sort of forgot about it. Like at one point, Melisandre said that, oh, I think that, I think that both, uh, Daenerys and Jon Snow have a role to play in the prophecy. And then it was Arya Stark who killed the Night King with the quote unquote cat spore Valyrian steel blade. Um, but you know, they didn't really do much with the prophecy because part of the prophecy of Azor Ahai in the books is there is this magic sword called Lightbringer, a flaming sword that's going to be instrumental in defeating the White Walkers. Um, and there's all this, there's all sorts of theories about like what that sword might be. Like, is the sword metaphorical and the sword means dragons or is it like dragon glass or is it, or is it, or is it Dawn as a Valyrian steel sword called Dawn? Well, it's not Valyrian steel. It's, it's forged from the heart of a meteor, uh, the ancestral sword of House Dane. And some people think that it might be the sword that will save the world. Um, What's my point? My point is that it's really interesting that they are trying to be more faithful to the book's version of the prophecy, but they are also emphasizing this particular um, knife. And so I wonder if this knife is meant to be Lightbringer, but they're not talking about Lightbringer. What they are saying is that, you know, there will be there will be the prince that was promised from my blood. So like the Targaryen bloodline will produce the chosen one who will save the world. Um, and, you know, Daenerys and Jon Snow are both Targaryens, because Jon is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen. Um, from my blood will come the prince that was promised, and his will be the Song of Ice and Fire. And this echoes an idea that's in the books. So, like, in book two, Daenerys Targaryen has a vision of her brother Rhaegar. And Rhaegar says, um, Rhaegar had a baby called Aegon with Elia Martell. And Aegon ended up getting killed by Gregor Clegane and Armory Lorch. Um, it's not Jon Snow. It's a different baby named Aegon. <laughs> like, in, in the show, canonically, Rhaegar had two sons named Aegon, <laughs> one of which was Jon Snow. Like, wh why? Why? Anyway, the point is that uh, in book two, Daenerys has a vision of her brother Rhaegar with his baby Aegon, saying that he is the prince that was promised and his song is the song of ice and fire. So what this suggests, and this does sort of fit with the book law, is that Rhaegar Targaryen was aware of the same prophecy that Aegon Targaryen passed down to the other Targaryen kings. Um, it seems as though Rhaegar sort of rediscovered this prophecy in his lifetime, like some of the Targaryens weren't fully aware of this prophecy in his time. And Rhaegar rediscovered it, and that's why Rhaegar ran off with Lyanna Stark, and why Rhaegar had Jon Snow is because he wanted to fulfill this prophecy to save the world from the White Walkers. And, you know, since Jon Snow is the son of the icy Starks, Lyanna Stark, and the fiery Targaryens, Rhaegar Targaryen, Jon Snow is the Song of Ice and Fire, is how a lot of people see it. Um, so there's a lot of 
suggestion that Jon Snow will be the hero who saves the world from the White Walkers in the books. Um, which makes it all the more weird that it's Arya Stark that is the one who kills the White Walkers. And, like, yeah, like, Jon Snow helped, but it's kind of weird. Um, I-, I think that, you know, and, you know, spoilers for Game of Thrones Season 8, um, but in Game of Thrones Season 8, you know, Jon Snow kills Daenerys with a dagger. And I think on some level that echoes the story of Nissa Nissa and Azor Ahai. So, like, in the books... We're told that the way that they defeated the White Walkers the last time was that the hero Azor Ahai sacrificed his wife um, and that forged the sword Lightbringer. Um, So I think that that, something like that might happen with Jon Snow sacrificing Daenerys potentially. Um, But, you know, that's why it's it's so weird that House of the Dragon is sort of combining this book prophecy about the prince that was promised and the show did this sort of other weird thing with Arya Stark and the Cat's Paw Blade. It's sort of a weird compromise between book law and show law, and I'm not really sure what we're meant to make of it. I wonder if we're going to get more revelations later on in House of the Dragon that might make it make sense. But then there's also the the Jon Snow spin-off show that they are uh, reportedly developing. It's like, what are they going to do with the Jon Snow show? Is the Jon Snow show going to reveal something about the White Walkers? You know, ooh, somehow the Night King returned, like in Star Wars 9, you know? Like, I, 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 I don't know what exactly, like, how this is meant to connect to the show law versus the book's law. Um, but, I mean, in, in terms of House of the Dragon, like, the, reason, the main reason I think that they're talking about this stuff is, is the same reason Viserys gives. Like, Viserys says the responsibility of the Iron Throne, the burden of this knowledge, like, it's not just politics, it's not just who gets to sit on the throne, this is about saving the world, you know? So it's about upping the stakes, I think, you know? They're, they're saying that this isn't just about our ambition, this is about saving the world. That's what the throne is for, that's what the Targaryen royal family is for. So maybe that's all that we need to take from it. Thanks for the super chat from Philippe who says, did you think Rhaenyra lying to Alicent was too sudden of a turn? I think it makes perfect sense. Like, like Rhaenyra was being accused of this stuff that is politically and personally super damaging to her. Like, she's done this thing. I'm sure she feels some shame. She feels some guilt. I mean, she sees the anger on Alicent's face. I, I think it is an understandable thing for Rhaenyra to lie to Alicent. And like Millie Alcock said in the inside the episode, technically Rhaenyra did not lie to Alicent because she only said that she didn't have sex with Daemon. And she didn't have sex with Daemon. She had sex with Kristen Cole. So, um, yeah, I think lying is a very understandable thing for Rhaenyra to do here. And I think that that uh, tragically may lead to, you know... (laughs) <laughs> problems. I mean, I mean, they talk about this show as being like a Shakespearean tragedy, you know, like this conflict feels so unnecessary, but just because of the circumstances that they're in and the bad decisions that they make, that's what, that's what sort of makes the conflict worse. Thanks for the super chat from Don Meza, who says, do you think Rhaenyra drank the moon tea that the maester brought? Could she get pregnant from Kristen Cole? Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, the maester did not hang around to to see if Rhaenyra actually drank the moon tea. Um, it just it just cut after Rhaenyra looked at it. So if Rhaenyra does not drink the moon tea, I suppose it is possible that Rhaenyra might get pregnant with Kristen Cole's bastard. And wouldn't that complicate matters? 
Thanks for the super chat from Quinevere, who says, This is supposed to be House of the Dragon, but, how- but Rhaenyra took the cold D. 12-hour analysis on that. Uh, that'll have to be a... I, I think a different channel might, might do the uh, D analysis. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Adam, who says, Any mention of verifying virginity in the books? Yeah, for a moment I was wondering if they might do that, because, like, there is some tradition in in some places historically, I think, of inspecting a girl's hymen to see if she uh, is still a virgin. And I think that it's uh, sort of an inexact science, because girls' hymens can break from just, like, riding horses and stuff, right? Um, I almost wondered, yeah, if they might do that in this episode to, like, check if Rhaenyra was still a virgin or whatever. Uh, you know, there's all the stuff about the bedding ceremony and, you know, having the bloody sheets outside the window and whatever. Um, you know, very invasive, you know, politicizing of the woman's body. Um, but yeah, there is mention of that in the books. They, they, they do talk about verifying, like, maesters verifying whether a girl is a virgin. So... I would not be shocked if something like that happened at some point in House of the Dragon. Thanks for the super chat from Bobby, who says, Was there any importance to the fact that Rhaenyra had a seat and a little stone ball at the small council meeting? Did she? I didn't notice that. Um, Does that mean that Rhaenyra now, like, uh, is a member of the small council proper? I didn't notice that. But, um, I mean, that makes sense as heir. Thanks for the super chat from Lucky, who says, Why is it a big deal that Rhaenyra had sex with someone before marriage? Can't Targaryens just do whatever they want? They're politically on top. I mean, that's what Daemon told Rhaenyra. Like, Daemon was telling Rhaenyra, like, we should do what we want because we're the blood of the dragon. Uh, And Daemon was telling Viserys, like, you know, we have the dragons, we're on top, we should not have to answer to anyone. Um, and, you know, I mean, to some extent, there's some truth in that. Like, they can make the rules. I mean, just the fact of, like, Targaryen incest, you know, like, like the church of the Faith of the Seven, they say that incest is evil. And um, Mago the Cruel, who we discussed earlier, he went into a lot of conflict with the Faith because of the incest. I mean, Aenys Targaryen, his predecessor had conflict with the faith. Like, there was this whole riot, there was this whole uprising by the faith of the Seven because the Targaryens were marrying each other's brothers and sisters and stuff. Um, But eventually, the faith just sort of had to accept that, like, the Targaryens are in charge, the Targaryens have dragons, and we kind of have to let them do the incest. So there's this idea of Targaryen exceptionalism, where the Targaryens are allowed to break the rules, the Targaryens are allowed to to marry their sisters, but no one else is allowed. So, like, in some ways, yeah, the Targaryens are, like, a separate category, but it, it, it wasn't easy for them to get into that situation, and it still is always a bit of a negotiation um, with the faith. Um, so, you know, it, it's always this uneasy thing of, like, the Targaryens are special, but it's not always accepted. And, and you know, like, there was this interesting moment when Daemon and... Rainiera were out on the town and they were watching this mummers show where the mummers were saying, you know, like the, the, the common people are against Rainiera, it seems, like from this puppet show. Not a puppet show, just like a street theatre performance. Um, and Rainiera said, well, I don't care that they're against me because they're not going to have a choice. That's like what Kristen, Kristen told Rainiera last episode, that the people aren't going to have a choice. They're going to have to accept you as their queen. 
And so Rhaenyra sort of echoes that this episode where she's like, well, they're not going to have a choice. I'm going to be queen anyway. I don't care what everyone thinks. But, you know, the last 300 years of Targaryen history have taught us that the opinions of the common people and the opinions of the lords actually matter a lot. You cannot be a politician if you're not supported by at least some of your lords and some of your people. And having dragons definitely means you can get away with more. You can definitely get away with more when you have the nuclear weapons of this world and no one else has them. But um, public opinion matters. Thanks for the super chat from Saint, who says, Do you think Kristen was really willing or do you think he was pressured due to Rhaenyra's status? Yeah, I mean, she's the princess, so I guess you could make an argument that he, you know, has to obey the princess. Um, but I mean, you know, that's one of the whole fundamental difficulties of being a Kingsguard. I mean, Jamie Lannister talked about this um, in the bath with Brienne. Jamie Lannister said, they make you swear and swear, you know, protect the common people, protect the king, obey the king, obey your father, obey the gods. But what if the gods say one thing and your father says another thing and the king says another thing? Like, you can't obey all of these different things at once. Um, how can you how can you please everyone at once? I mean, it's, it's sort of like what Viserys says. Um, he feels like he is forever doomed to piss off one person in an attempt to make someone else happy. You can't please everyone. And that's the problem with power. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Kristen could argue that, oh, I had to obey my princess when she ordered me to have sex with her. Um, but I think I think Kristen, I think most people in this world would argue that Kristen's foremost responsibility was not to pork the princess. That's probably unspoken rule one. Um, it, it is considered treason to have sex with the princess out of wedlock. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Rhaenyra is of age, I guess, is a factor um, like in this world. Once you're six, 16 or older, you're considered um, an adult. Um, so I guess. You know, like, it would be worse if Rhaenyra was younger. Um, but, yeah, no, Kristen's definitely not meant to do that. Thank you for the super chat from Sam, who says, Daemon lying to Viserys about what happened lends credence to the theory that he didn't say air for a day. Didn't deny it because he knew it wouldn't matter. Okay, yeah, so in this scene, like, Viserys was saying, like, hey, did you have sex with my daughter? Um, and Daemon, yeah, Daemon doesn't deny it. Damon doesn't deny that he had sex with Rhaenyra, even though he didn't. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a good point. Because he just went along with this false accusation that he had sex with Rhaenyra. And in a similar way, in episode two... Um, episode two? No, in episode one, uh, Otto told Viserys that Damon made a toast to his gold cloaks... Uh, calling the dead baby Balon, Emma and Viserys's baby son, uh, Balon. And Otto said that Daemon called him the heir for a day. And the way Otto told it made it sound like Daemon was insulting Viserys' dead baby and insulting Viserys. And so then Viserys confronted Daemon and said, hey, like, you can't insult my family. I'm banishing you. Um, and Daemon didn't deny that he called Balon heir for a day. He just sort of said, oh, we all must mourn in our own way, your grace. But he didn't confirm or deny that he said the thing. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Daemon didn't really 
intend to mock Viserys' baby. Like, maybe he did say air for a day, but maybe he didn't intend it to be insulting. Otto just made it sound insulting because Otto wanted to divide Daemon and Viserys and create conflict. So maybe in the same way, Viserys... Uh, sorry, Daemon just went along with the accusation that he had sex with Rhaenyra, even though he actually didn't have sex with her. I, I think that's a reasonable interpretation. I mean, I mean, Daemon is self-destructive. I mean, look at him. Like, the way that he staggers into the Red Keep, like, totally hungover. I mean, similar to how his brother was doing self-destructive drinking last episode. I think that neither Viserys nor Daemon are very well-equipped to handle the power that they have. I don't know if any if any person is is really capable of handling uh, responsibility over an entire kingdom, and and I think both Daemon and Viserys turned to self destructive drinking, um, and, and yeah, Daemon's dis- Daemon just creates chaos. Uh, he's here to cause chaos and piss people off, is what Matt Smith said in an interview. So uh, we're definitely seeing that today. Thanks for the super chat from Moral Support, who says, love the mention of Balon Targaryen. Yeah, so uh, so King Viserys talked about his his father, uh, King Balon Targaryen, uh, sorry, uh, Sir Balon Targaryen, the Brave, who was once heir to the throne, but then he died of a bad belly. So he was only Hand of the King for five days. And Balon was the guy who last rode Vhagar, the largest dragon alive at this point. And there was this really sort of like sweet rivalry between uh, Balon and his brother Amon. Amon was the father of Rhaenys. I could show you the family tree. How about I show you the family tree? So this guy here was Balon. And I liked how Viserys mentioned that uh, Alyssa, his mother, was sort of this wild rebel. Alyssa was a lot like Arya Stark. She was a rebel who went who went against gender roles, and she had two different coloured eyes, and she loved riding a dragon, and she was uh, super cool. And then she died. Uh, but Balon had a cool relationship with his brother Amon. Like Balon was the little brother; he was the second son who was always trying to um, be as good as his brother. Um, and after Amon died, Balon became heir. But then Balon died of a sore tummy. Thanks for the super chat from KPRO, who says, raunchy episode so far. The Blackwood kid killing that lord in the beginning. Is that a common thing that happens in Westeros? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's unusual <laughs> for, like, major politicians to be murdering each other randomly. Like, everyone acts like it's a pretty normal thing. I mean, I, I guess specifically between the um, Blackwoods and the Brackens, like these guys, this, these two families in particular have a long history of rivalry. Um, so I guess Blackwoods and Brackens killing each other is not that unexpected, but I, I still think it's a bit shocking. I mean, the way it's described in the book, the books mention that um, a Blackwood and a Bracken fight a duel to the death in honor of Rhaenyra. Um, which to me sounds like there was a bit more sort of pomp and circumstance to it. Like they actually like agreed to fight a duel as opposed to just randomly stabbed each other. Look at this guy's face. This this guy is enjoying this so much. I love it. Is he meant to be a Bracken? Is that a Bracken horse on his thing? Love it. Great hair. Great hair, this guy. Anyway, thanks for the super chat from Russell, who says, Love the power dynamic shift between Rhaenyra and Alicent. Yeah, there's, there's, they're constantly sort of jockeying back and forth, aren't they? Because it was so stark in the previous episode, the way 
Queen Alicent pulled rank over Rhaenyra, but now it was like, you know, Alicent accusing Rhaenyra and, um, and, you know, Rhaenyra's, Alicent's loneliness sort of made her vulnerable. Like it was really Alicent reaching out to Rhaenyra in this scene. And, you know, Rhaenyra was sort of meeting her halfway and saying, yeah, let's be friends again. But then so quickly it switched back to Alicent on the offensive against Rhaenyra with, with the secret. So, um, yeah, that was really fun. Thanks for the super chat from Izzy, who says, who is that Dondarian guy next to Rhaenyra? Um, so the Lord sitting next to Rhaenyra is, uh, Boromund Baratheon, the Lord of Storm's End. Uh, and it was a Dondarian guy who was describing, uh, how cool he is. Um, but, uh, Rhaenyra was, uh, not so, uh, into it. So, uh, this Dondarian guy is an ancestor of Beric Dondarian, who we saw as the Lightning Lord, who got resurrected a bunch of times in the main Game of Thrones show. That's House Dondarian. And they mention his great-grandmother. Yeah, Queen Alysanne. They talk about Queen Alysanne, who, like, visited the Blackwoods. That was something that Alysanne and Jaehaerys did a lot, was that they went on these big progresses to, like, travel around the realm and to meet the lords and to meet the common people. Alysanne held all of these uh, women's councils where she, like, met with the women of the realm and, like, asked them their problems and how she could help them. And, like, that led to a bunch of reforms and stuff. Like, it ended the rite of first night where any lord could have sex with any newlywed woman. Um, So there was a bunch of, like, gender-based reforms and stuff that happened under Alysanne and she was widely liked. Although her husband, Jaehaerys, endangered her health by having, uh, impregnating her even after she had had too many kids and her health was weak. It, there's a lot of like these common themes throughout Fire and Blood and like a lot of the gender stuff is a big part of the book. Um, and also the um, second sons thing is a big part of the book with, you know, Balon and um, Amon and Viserys and Daemon and Hobart and Otto and Corlys and Vaemon, that they've added even more of it into the show. Thanks for the super chat from Banana, who says that it seems like Daemon genuinely wants to help Rhaenyra experience some freedom and teach her some things he knows about being a Targaryen. I liked the conversation, just wish there was less incest. Yeah, I mean, like, at first it was very wholesome, wasn't it? Um, like, Daemon was giving Rhaenyra a taste of freedom, and, like, he, he does have a real argument behind that. It was like Daemon was telling Viserys, like, we are the blood of the dragon, we should not have to follow the rules that other people follow. We should be allowed to taste some freedom. And so, like, it almost feels like this liberating thing that Daemon lets Rhaenyra experience the world. So, th- so there is, like, a positive vibe there. But at the same time, he absolutely is, you know, molesting his niece to try and get the throne. And he took off her beanie because he wanted people to see that she was um, having sex and therefore to besmirch her and make it possible to marry her. So, you know, th- there are a lot of uh, manipulative impulses in Daemon as well as any positivity. Um, thanks for the super chat from Jennifer, who says, Rhaenyra makes terrible decisions. Love the agency she has given. Show has added nuance to the book material. Yeah, I, I think they have. Um, yeah, and it is funny that, like, <laughs> like the, the first time that Rhaenyra gets a little bit of freedom, like, specifically sexual freedom, 
she like she like spends all her money at the same shop you know what i mean like she gets one little taste of freedom and she instantly tries to bang her uncle and then her sworn protector like she instantly tries to have sex with like the two people who are the worst idea to have sex with Uh, but it's like, it's also like, well, what do you expect? Because she's a teenager who has been given no opportunities to, like, take risks and no opportunities to express her freedom. So, of course, she misuses her freedom when she gets it, you know? Like, that's what Rhaenyra has been saying all through the series is like, you know, let me participate in politics. Like, let me be a part of this world so that I can learn. And Viserys just says, no, like, you will learn when you grow up. Like, you will be a woman eventually. But it's like, how is Rhaenyra going to mature and grow into a woman if she keeps getting treated like a little girl and not being allowed to actually experience things? So when Daemon takes her outside into the world and just throws her into the deep end, and starts fucking having sex with her. Like, of course, Rhaenyra makes bad decisions because she has had no experience or no, like, opportunities to, like, gradually learn in a safe environment, you know? Um, like, like with Kristen, like, they made her seem like this giddy kid. Like, like the smirk that Rhaenyra has and how she, like, playfully takes Kristen's helmet and stuff. Like, like she's behaving... I mean, I mean, you know, it's flirting, but it's it's a childish kind of flirting, the way that she's playing with the helmet and stuff. And, and it sort of feels tragic because it's like this weird combination of, like, childlike innocence and having sex with older men in a politically fraught situation. Like, it's this, it's a really complicated social, political, sexual situation. And I'm sure people smarter than me will write some long essays about it. Thanks for the super chat from Kaiser, who says, do you think that Cole didn't think he could say no? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. I I think that Kristen could maybe make an argument that he has to obey his princess. But I think a higher, more important rule than that is don't pork the princess. Like, that is rule one. He's on the king's guard. It is treason to have sex with the princess outside of marriage. It's it's a big no-no. Thanks for the super chat from Nicholas, who says that Rhaenyra said Daemon was her escort and led her everywhere. But if you look at the scene, the only place Daemon led her was the brothel. Yeah, I mean, Rhaenyra sort of ran off on her own, like, after she stole from the food merchant. And yeah, I mean, and that's another example. Like, Rhaenyra gets led off the leash once and she tries to steal from a street merchant because it's like, well, whoa, it's like, it's so exciting to her that she even has the option of doing that, you know? And maybe if she had had a little bit more worldly experience beforehand, she would not have gone off the rails as much as she did, you know? Like... It, it, it's like a, if, if an animal was kept in a cage all its life and then you let it out of its cage once. And of course, it's going to like run up the walls and piss on the sofa because you've it's never known how to be free. You know, Rhaenyra is doing the equivalent of, of pissing on the sofa. After being, you know, she's been in captivity. She's like an animal kept in captivity. Um, so, of course, she goes wild. And, and I guess that's, you know, that's also like a Targaryen thing. And, uh, you know, that's also like they talk with Arya, like Arya has the wolf blood, you know. There is a wildness to her. There is a willfulness to her. So, it, you know, it's not only uh, part of the sort of gendered situation that she's in. It's also just who she is in her personality, I think. Because, you know, Alicent, Alicent has also experienced a lot of that kind of captivity. But, you know, I think if she went out on the town for a day... I don't think she would um, steal food and hook up with her uncle. Like, you know, that she has a different personality there. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's about, like, social gender stuff, but it's also about the individual. 
Thanks for the super chat from Robbie, who says, not just Targusi, but hi, Tussi. Yeah, that's, oh boy. Thanks for the super chat from Lovely, who says, so did she get tea because of Daemon or because they know about Kristen? The the Hightowers and the King don't know about Kristen having sex with Rhaenyra, I don't think. Um, They just know that she had sex. And they think it was with Damon, so that's why she got the moon tea to cause a period. Thanks for the super chat from Frosty Flakes, who says, "Can you explain how Otto went from hating on Mazaria to maintaining a network of spies through her?" So yeah, it, it seems that Mazaria's spy told Otto Hightower that Damon had sex with Rhaenyra, and we see Mazaria getting some money. Uh, from Otto through her spy boy here. And yeah, isn't it interesting? Because in episode two, we saw Otto calling Mazaria a whore repeatedly. Um, And Mazaria said that there was, you know, an implication, like she's worried that she is in danger um, from men like Otto who just consider her a, a disposable whore. But as we learn from men like Tywin, Um, Just because a man sees a woman as a worthless whore does not mean that that man won't use that woman to his own advantage. And we saw that with Tywin when Tywin had sex with Shay. Tywin all his life had nothing but contempt for women who he saw as being low or being sexually promiscuous or whatever. But that didn't stop Tywin from having sex with with his son's girlfriend Shay in season four. Um, so that's part of the that's part of the whole misogyny theme is that men disrespect women but also need and use women at the same time. Um, so yeah, it seems as though Otto has sort of like employed Mazaria to be a spy master for him, even though uh, they had previously sort of been adversaries. I, I, th- I think it's really interesting and ambiguous what's going on with Mazaria because Mazaria like, was Daemon's lover? Like, what has gone on between Daemon and Mazaria for the last couple of years? Because, like, you know, Daemon has been off at war. Has Mazaria sort of turned against Daemon in the meantime? Because, like, it, it is an act against Daemon to tell Otto that Daemon had sex with Rhaenyra. That that gets Daemon banished, and Mazaria must know that. So, what is Mazaria up to? I think that's a really interesting question. Um... Thanks for the super chat from Sodom and from Robert, uh, who says every scene with Viserys makes me think of the sad Ben Affleck meme. (laughs) Thanks for the super chat from Brennan, who says Otto getting fired when he thought he was politically killing Daemon and Rhaenyra was beautiful and felt very George R. R. Martin. Yeah, I mean, look, Otto knew that it was sort of a dangerous thing to have to tell Viserys that his daughter was fucking around. Um... But yeah, he was definitely glad to be um, getting Daemon uh, in trouble, and that certainly worked. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Jay Birch, who said, "Would love to see a connection revealed between the Citadel and the High Tower once Otto goes back to Old Town." Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if we will like continue to see what's going on with um, Otto High Tower now that he's. I guess he's leaving the Red Keep now. I wonder what the connection is now because we have seen these two working together and there is all sorts of conspiracies in the books about are the maesters working against the Targaryens Uh, I wonder if Otto is going to become like anti-Viserys now more you know Um, 
because he certainly wants to support Alicent's baby taking the throne. I wonder if he's going to sort of turn against Viserys. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Rice, who says, So, George, Daemon's your favorite character, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, p- the publication history of this story is interesting. Um, George Martin didn't just write a book called Fire and Blood. He wrote a bunch of parts of the story earlier on um, and sort of released more and more of the story in, in different places. And the original, like, story about this period of history uh, was called The Rogue Prince, and it was centered around Daemon. Like, the original telling of this story of this period that we're seeing in House of the Dragon was was a story mostly about Daemon called The Rogue Prince. And then The Rogue Prince and The Princess and the Queen and, like, a, a few other bits and pieces, Sons of the Dragon got combined together into one book called Fire and Blood. Um, so, I, I think George Martin's fascination with the character of Daemon is definitely... A big like beginning inspiration for George about this story, and it's kind of interesting the way that they describe Daemon originally. Um, like the description of Daemon at the start of the Rogue Prince story, it describes him as as both a great man and a monster. Um, he was he was to some he was a hero, to others the blackest of villains. So admired, so beloved, and so reviled. Made of light and darkness in equal parts. I think that was sort of George's intention for Daemon originally. But, I mean, and I guess it's it's subjective. But personally, I tend to see Daemon as more of a villain than a hero. I mean, he has murdered a bunch of people. He's started a bunch of conflicts. He's hooked up with his niece. Like, he's done a bunch of bad stuff. And I have not seen a lot of heroism for him. I mean, we saw him heroically slaying the crab feeder last episode, but I think it was quite clear that he was doing that for personal glory, not to help anybody. He didn't care about that knight that he stepped on. Like, Daemon is a very self-serving, emotional dude. Um, but, you know, the George's books sometimes describe him as being more morally ambiguous. Thanks for the super chat from Duan, who says, Do you think Daemon was planning to seduce Rhaenyra since his victory, or only when he saw Rhaenyra after his return? I think that I think that hooking up with Rhaenyra has been on Daemon's mind for a while, um, because we saw their intimacy in episode one when he gave her that necklace and was very like physically close with her. Like I think that I think that intimacy has been on Daemon's mind for a while. Um, Jess asks about the baby that Alicent was holding. Um, I, I think it was a daughter who, whose name has not yet been revealed. Thanks for the super chat from Joshua, who says, Bro, the ten-year-old kid Stormlander Lord gutted a cocky lordling in the chest who was considerably more formidable. That was amazing. Yes, that was amazing. It was not a Stormlander Lord. It was a Riverland Lord. It was a Blackwood kid who defeated a Bracken who was much older. And yeah, it was satisfying because that Bracken was being extremely rude uh, to this kid, and it was nice to see. Uh, it was nice to see him getting his comeuppance. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's another reminder that there's a lot of pent up violence in this realm. There's a lot of people who want to stab each other. There's a lot of potential for escalation of violence because it's not just the Targaryens who have a bunch of violent rivalries. I mean, we got a rivalry between like you know Daemon and Kristen. Um, and we've got, you know, tensions like the Baratheons, uh, side with Rhaenys, and we've got, like, a bit of beef between the Valerians and the Targaryens, like, there's a lot of rivalries and grudges around that could easily escalate. 
Thanks for the super chat from Sam, who says, very impressed with Emily Carey, who plays Alicent's performance. Does a great job of portraying complexity. Yeah, I, I think Alicent had a lot of feelings in this episode, and she wanted... I mean, she's feeling so lonely, she's feeling so trapped. She wants to be friends with Rhaenyra again, but I think on some level she also resents... Rhaenyra's freedom because Rhaenyra like does all like Alicent feels so constrained by rules um, but Rhaenyra breaks all of the rules that Alicent is at great pains to follow Um, and and, like it was so uncomfortable that scene where you know Alicent was like giving a sponge bath to her sick disintegrating much older husband and it it was not a pleasant scene like it kind of sucks that Alicent you know this is the guy who she had to marry and, you know, she didn't have a whole lot of choice in marrying him. It was just declared by the king that he was going to marry her. And she was pressured into that relationship in the first place by her father. But, you know, at the same time, I also like that we had someone like Kristen Cole last episode saying, hey, you're a princess. Your life is so much better than most people's. Um, and so, the, the, you know, and we see the the how the common people are just like butchered by people like Daemon when they're accused of allegedly being criminals. I mean, isn't it, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that... Daemon Targaryen and his gold cloaks went around executing a bunch of people in episode one um, for, you know, alleged crimes. Um, We saw Daemon personally kill someone uh, who was allegedly a murderer. Uh, But we also saw people who were allegedly thieves uh, having their hands cut off, right? So it's like, wow, Daemon, Daemon really cares about law enforcement, huh? He really cares about laying down the letter of the law. But in this episode, Rhaenyra steals from a food vendor and Daemon protects her. He just sort of oh, says, oh, I'll handle it and chases after her. So, you know, in episode one, Daemon has people killed for stealing. But in episode four, he does nothing about the princess stealing, you know, which is like, I mean, duh. But like, it just shows that the rules don't apply to everyone equally. And I guess that's part of Daemon's philosophy. I mean, like he says, we are the blood of the dragon. We should not have to obey anyone but ourselves. We can do what we want. Um, he's, he's, he's that chaotic energy, selfish energy is Daemon Targaryen. And I think that all of these characters have a bit of Daemon inside of them. You know, like Rhaenyra certainly loves enjoying a bit of chaos for the sake of it. That's why she steals that food. I don't think she was hungry. I think she just wanted to enjoy breaking rules for the sake of it. Um, And I think that Viserys, in a way, is like jealous that, you know, um, Daemon gets to break the rules and he doesn't. Uh, And, you know, Alicent would probably love to break rules like they do. So I think there's there's a little bit of Daemon in all of these characters. Uh, Leonidas in the live chat says, Rhaenyra was a lot more accepting of marrying Laenor compared to in the books. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be an interesting relationship. So, yeah, like in this episode, uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen agrees to marry Laenor Valerion, who is this fella who rides a dragon called Sea Smoke. And we haven't seen a lot of Laenor yet, but we will. And, um, and yeah, Rhaenyra seemed fairly happy to agree to that marriage. I mean, she didn't have a lot of choice given the circumstances since, you know, it was just found out that Rhaenyra had sex and she was sort of in trouble. So I think she was not in a great bargaining position. But in the books, uh, Rhaenyra at first refuses to marry Laenor um, until Viserys threatens to disinherit her and make Aegon heir to the throne instead of Rhaenyra. So Viserys really had to like twist Rhaenyra's arm to make her agree uh, to marrying Laenor. Although in 
this episode, Rhaenyra does say, I will marry Lenor if you fire Otto. So I think Rhaenyra feels very threatened by Otto, knowing that Otto told Viserys about uh, her having sex. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Otto's machinations against everyone have, have finally um, gone against him. Because, you know, Viserys rightly acknowledges this episode that, you know, Otto has been manipulating him all along. Um, you know, he, uh, Viserys realizes that Otto... Um, Otto gave Alicent to Viserys as a calculated distraction. And I think that's 100% true. Viserys, Otto's plan was to hook Viserys up with Alicent. And, you know, that was in the context of Queen Emma's death. So it's such like an emotionally tender moment that Otto exploited so coldly, you know. Um, so it does make a lot of sense that, that Viserys fires Otto. I, I thought it was interesting that, like, there were, there were a couple of moments when Viserys, like... Almost like question, like like threatened to make Aegon heir instead of Rhaenyra. I don't remember exactly what scene it was, but but Viserys almost sort of went back on Rhaenyra being his heir, which is crazy given that he just swore on his mother's memory, on his wife's memory, that he would not disinherit Rhaenyra. But he seemed to be doubting it again, you know? Like Viserys needs to commit. Is he making Rhaenyra his heir or not? Because he keeps saying that he will, but then he seems to doubt it in other ways, you know? Um, thanks for the super chat from Quinn, who says, sorry, I came late, uh, but did Damon take her back door virginity and Kristen took her front door virginity, if you know what I mean? No, no, Quinn, there was no butt sex in this episode. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) come on, guys, we're better than this. Thanks for the super chat from MZ Kim, who says, I thought it was interesting to see mice in the dragon skull. And then the rat above Alison's bed. Yes, we saw a couple of mice. I, I think part of what that evokes is the idea of, like, rats in the walls. Because it was really, really cool to see... Um, yeah, here's, here's one of the mice who was, like, sitting on the, the skull of Beleriand, the Black Dread. Which, which is a really fascinating image. Um, like, you've got the grandness and the power of this dragon skull. And then you've got a little, some little mice just hanging out. Just having some nibbles in the dragon's teeth. Which, to me, like, I guess that's a symbol of, like, corruption. Like, in the same way that King Viserys Targaryen is falling apart and he's, like, infected and infested with, like, this gangrenous, you know, he's disintegrating with his fingers falling off. Like, I think the mice sort of suggest rot, you know, corruption. Um, In the same way that, you know, Otto is sort of creeping around and manipulating things. There's also the idea of the grey rats. Um, so some of the characters in the main books talk about the maesters are corrupt and the maesters are manipulative and they call the maesters gray rats. And these are some sort of gray mice. And these are some gray mice scurrying about looking like Melos, you know, so it's, it's that, but it's also, they talk about there being rats in the walls of the red keep. Um, because there are literally like a bunch of secret passages, um, through the walls of the red keep. And that's how... Rhaenyra escapes the Red Keep at nighttime. Uh, like, I thought it was quite funny when, um, you know, Kristen saw Rhaenyra returning to her bedroom from the outside, when Kristen thought that Rhaenyra was inside the whole time. Uh, but really, Rhaenyra had escaped through this secret passageway that Daemon revealed to her. And that's something that comes up a lot in the books. Like, Varys knows the secrets of the Red Keep's tunnels, and that's how Varys... Uh, allowed Tyrion to escape the Red Keep when he was going to be executed and stuff. And um, 
in the books, Varus brings Shay into the Red Keep through the secret passages. So the knowledge of these secret passages is super important. Um, I, I've seen some people online say that Daemon Targaryen must know these secret passages in the Red Keep because Daemon got inside the Red Keep in episode one without King Viserys knowing. Um, but I don't think that's true because in episode one, they also specifically said that Daemon came in through the front gate. So I don't think Daemon did go through the tunnels, but I guess Daemon must know the tunnels because in this episode, he told Rhaenyra to um, go through them. Anyway, so yeah, the tunnels are important. And, and you yeah, know, there is a history to these tunnels as well um, because the Red Keep was built uh, by this guy, Magor the Cruel, who was the king before uh, Jaehaerys. And uh, Magor the Cruel famously... Um, had the Red Keep made, uh, and then he had a big feast for all of the workers who built the Red Keep. Uh, and then Magor had all of the workers murdered at the feast uh, that he threw for them, because Magor wanted the secrets of the Red Keep to stay secret. So he killed all the people who knew about the tunnels. So the tunnels through the Red Keep are like this closely, closely kept Targaryen secret. Um, although, you know, people like Varys know about it and Varys uses the secret tunnels for his spies. He has his little birds who are these children who spy in the walls of the Red Keep for him. Um, and he also uses the, the little birds to murder someone in the, in the books later on. Uh, so yeah, I wonder if these little birds will continue to be important. And it's interesting that the, that the little birds are working for Mazaria now. I wonder if it's, it's it's interesting, this sort of repeated trope of, um, you know, one person becomes the sort of, uh, who's that guy in, uh, is it the guy in Oliver Twist who is in charge of all the children, all the street rats and the urchins who work for this one guy in Oliver Twist? It's like that. Thanks for the super chat uh, from Ball and Stalin, who asks, will they, yeah, well, we're, we're not going to spoil anything, um, but... George Martin said that uh, this season of House of the Dragon goes from the Council of Harrenhal in 101 up up to the year um, 129 is uh, George's answer. Thanks for the super chat from Courtney, who says, Rhaenyra swearing on her mother's memory that nothing happened with Daemon, just like Viserys promising on Emma not to supplant her. Is it all lies? Yeah. Yeah, they, bo- they both swore on Emma's memory, um, which is a very, like, emotionally resonant way to swear, given that we saw the death of Emma in episode one. Um, I, you know, technically Rhaenyra didn't lie because she just said that she didn't have sex with Daemon. And technically Viserys hasn't lied because he has not supplanted Rhaenyra. But uh, it certainly does, you know, make it more dramatic if those promises don't come true. It's also like the promise that Viserys got Rhaenyra to promise to remember the secret of the Aegon's dream about the White Walkers and the prince that was promised. There's a lot of promises. And of course, promises in stories are great because it's very dramatic when those promises get broken in it. Uh, Thank you for the super chat from Josane, who says, I think it was beautiful that Rhaenyra got to choose who she had sex with and that it was someone that she was attracted to. Yeah, I guess that's a nice sort of moment of female agency. But also, like, Rhaenyra... She chose the person who was there, you know? She chose the person who was in front of her. Um, you know, like, like he was the one who was convenient because he was standing outside her bedroom, you know? So, I get, you know, she got to ex- exercise her choice, but it wasn't the, the best thought-through choice, I suppose. 
Um, thanks for the super chat from Philip, who says that the smarter move by Otto would have been to spread the rumors around through a third party. Yeah, I mean, a bit dangerous to spread it around, like, publicly, though, or, like, semi-publicly. Like, that might undermine the whole sort of regime, potentially. I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, Otto definitely could have used a messenger. I mean, I thought it was really funny that Otto told Viserys that Rhaenyra had sex with Daemon, and Viserys immediately responded by being angry at Otto. He blamed the messenger, is what Viserys did. Um, in the same way that Viserys' brother Daemon blamed the messenger uh, in the previous episode when Daemon beat the crap out of that messenger, Sir Adam. When Sir Adam came to Daemon on the Stepstones and said, hey, there's reinforcements coming to help you. And Daemon beat up the messenger. So in the same way that Daemon blamed, killed the messenger symbolically, Viserys blamed the messenger uh, Otto in the next episode. So I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Viserys and Daemon. Uh, it's just that Viserys is in a different social situation, so he has to be more responsible since he's king. Thanks for the super chat from Lioness, who says that Rhaenyra should have pulled a Bobby B and told the guys to stop fighting instead of walking away. It would have showcased her authority. Instead, she pulled a Viserys. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, because, like, you know, the Blackwood and the Bracken started fighting in front of Rhaenyra. You'd think that she could have ended that bloodshed by saying, hey, like, boys, like, fucking behave by order of your princess. If you want to win my affections, you better stop butchering each other and getting blood all over Lord Boromund's floor. If she said something like that, it might have, uh, yeah, shown a bit of authority. And that's the thing, like, we, we haven't seen Princess Rhaenyra really getting to exercise her authority very much. You know, she's just mostly been behaving like a teenage rebellious girl and she hasn't had many opportunities to learn how to rule. And if she wants to be queen, if she wants to command people, I think she needs some practice at doing that. So, yeah, I agree. Thanks for the super chat for MZ Kim. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Imposter Oak, who said, did she pork her uncle or not? No, uh, she started making out with Daemon, or Daemon started making out with her, and they got a bit hot and heavy. Uh, but then Daemon stopped and walked away. And so then Rhaenyra went back to the castle and had sex with Kristen Cole instead. I suppose, like, how, how did Rhaenyra get back into the castle? Because she didn't come back through the secret tunnel because she came back to her room from the outside. So did she just like walk in through the main gates of the Red Keep? Did the guards just let her in and not say, yo, Viserys, your daughter, the princess, is coming back from outside the castle in the middle of the night? I think that might be a very small plot hole. Like, like, like how, how did Rhaenyra get back to the keep? Like, remember in season one when Arya was, tr- was doing the same thing? Arya Stark left the Red Keep uh, through the secret tunnels and then she had trouble getting back inside because she was wearing common clothes and she was saying, yo, gold clerks, let me in. I'm the hand of the king's daughter. And they were like, no, you're not. Um, Similar thing happening now, except Rhaenyra had no trouble getting in. I wonder how she did it. Um, Thanks for the super chat from Joe, who says, I like how Rhaenyra's amusement at the Blackwood Bracken violence highlights her immaturity and self-centeredness. Yeah, I, I, it is pretty callous. Um, like, no, no one in that room seemed to care that this child was in mortal combat with, with this nobleman. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you'd think, like, 
Rhaenyra should, if she wants to be queen, she should probably express some concern for her people. I mean, Alicent in the previous episode, I thought it was so interesting that Alicent said to Viserys last episode, hey, you should do what's in the interests of the realm. If if Crabfeeder being dead is good for the realm, then you should go and make him dead. Like, it doesn't matter what your personal feelings are. You should protect the people, is what Alison said last episode. But now Rhaenyra's like, eh, I don't care what's going on, whatever. So Alicent seems to me like a better queen than, than Rhaenyra could be at the moment. But uh, we'll, we'll see how things develop. Um, yeah. Thanks for the super chat from R and from Terminally Average, who says, I really like this episode. A lot happened, but there was practically no action. I mean, there was action, just action of the sexual kind rather than the violent kind. What was your favorite part of the episode, says Terminally Average. Um, I mean, I I really liked, I liked the bit when everyone was friends before everyone turned on each other. Like, there was this really great, like, I think this scene here, this lovely, like, golden moment where Viserys and Daemon were just being buddies and just being bros and saying, no, you were mother's favorite. No, you were mother's favorite. And then like Alicent and Rhaenyra looking like they were going to make friends again. And that was such a moment of hope. And I think that that was so important because it gave us a taste of the way things could be. It gave us a taste of like, oh, oh, like what if everyone got along? Just before everything went to shit and they all turned on each other and Viserys banished Daemon and Rhaenyra hooked up with all the wrong people. And so I I think that was a really like tonally important moment to show us, you know, how good things could be to show us what we're missing out on when that when they turn against each other. Although, like, even in this happy moment, Alicent was looking so lonely and, and so sad while everyone else was happy around her. Which I think was also important because like Viserys and Daemon were like having some bro time, um, but Alicent was being sort of ignored, and they and they, they said something sort of rude to her, didn't they? Uh, I think they said something sort of mean to Alicent. Yeah, would you like to see the tapestries? And then Viserys was just <laughs> Viserys was just like pissing himself, laughing at his poor teenage wife who was only trying to be polite, you know. So. Uh, And then Rhaenyra is like looking daggers at him. So, you know, Rhaenyra sort of took that as a moment to sort of side with Alicent and look after Alicent. So, yeah, I I think that was an important scene for showing every showing the potential for happiness before everything turned to poop. Thanks for the super chat from Mornlower, who says, not sure if it's been said, but an interesting difference in Game of Thrones is having more plotting while House of the Dragon seems to be characters acting more on emotion first. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that can go both ways in Game of Thrones and in House of the Dragon. I mean, I, I, I would note that one of the sort of first, like, politically significant moments in Game of Thrones season one, like, like the reason why Bran gets shoved out a window um, is because Cersei and Jamie were boning, having a bit of twincest moment in the tower, and that's why Bran was thrown off the roof and broke his back, and that sort of sparked some of the tension and the conflicts that happened. Um, I would not call that, you know, rational political plotting. I-, I think that emotion has been a big driver for the Lannisters all along. And I think that, you know, even when it's based on ambition, like, I guess you could say that Otto's ambition is, you know, like, Otto seems like a very calculated, cold, rational guy. But we also see that, you know, he he is at least in part motivated by his relationship with his brother, Hobart. 
And there's a bit of that, like, second sun energy. Um, but broadly, I would agree with you. Like, I think broadly, House of the Dragon is definitely a more sort of intimate, emotional, family, relationship-driven story. I think Game of Thrones has a little bit of a wider scope, a little bit of a broader view. Um, and we don't see, like, the emotional motivations as much in Game of Thrones compared to House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon is definitely more um, intimate. Thanks for the super chat from Flawless, who says, Rhaenyra was so happy to be mistaken for a boy. Yeah, that's that, that's a great point. Like, there was one moment where, where Daemon and Rhaenyra were, like, out on the town, um, and someone knocked Rhaenyra aside and called her a boy. Um, which, you know, is, is, I mean, for one thing, it's great to see her, like, not being treated like a princess, but being treated like an average person. And, you know, some people would hate that. But Rhaenyra was just really excited that someone was treating her and disrespecting her like a, like a street urchin. Um, and she said, oh, they called me a boy. And that, of course, is very reminiscent of Arya, because Arya in Game of Thrones Season 2 poses as a boy uh, called Ari. Um, she has this whole sort of sequence when her hair's short. And, um, you know, like, it, it is partly a, a miserable time for Arya, but there's also, like, a sort of a... Um, fun and like a fantasy and an adventure about it. I mean, it's like all the all the old stories about women binding up their breasts and pretending to be a boy and going off and having an, an adventure and the liberation from gender roles, you know. Um, so many Game of Thrones characters have that. I mean, an interesting comparison is Cersei and Jaime. Because um, Cersei and Jaime, like Cersei thinks about how when she was young, uh, no one could tell her and Jamie apart. They were like identical twins when they were young. But then when they started going through puberty, um, suddenly they started being treated so differently. And Jamie was given a sword and Jamie was taught to ride and Jamie got to do cool stuff while Cersei was told to be polite and say pleasantries and she was being groomed to be married off to some lord or something. And so, you know, Cersei, when 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 Cersei and Jamie were kids and they looked the same, they sometimes switched roles and they pretended to be each other. So Cersei got to experience being a young Jamie Lannister and being treated as a boy. And so she got to taste that freedom. But then they went through puberty and she was denied that freedom, you know? And so I, I, yeah, I think that's a very sort of similar thing when Rhaenyra is getting a taste of the freedom of being like a common boy, um, much like Arya, much like Cersei. Thanks for the super chat uh, from Tom, who says, I swear, mum, this episode is crucial to the story. Yeah, it's all plot. All of this is plot. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Frankie, who says, I don't get it. We're four episodes in and we still haven't seen Tom Bombadil. I'm outraged that we have not had a hey, 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 doll, merry doll. We've we got to have some Bombadil action at some point, right? No, I, I think that the equivalent of Tom Bombadil in... Um, House of the Dragon is Mushroom. Mushroom is my boy, and uh, the moment we see this dwarf jester, I'm going to be very excited. Actually, I heard some whisperings that we might see Mushroom in the On the Next Episode segment, so maybe we'll have a glance at that at the end of this live stream and see if we can spot the shroom. Because this guy, Mushroom, is the guy who tells all the salacious stories about all the people in this story. Um, like, Mushroom is the one who claims that... Um, Rhaenyra did not just mac, mac on her uncle. She actually 
uh, had weeks of sex lessons from Daemon because Rhaenyra wanted Daemon to teach her how to fuck good so that she could seduce the Kingsguard Kristen Cole. That's what Mushroom claims. Mushroom, for the record, also claims um, that Alicent Hightower had sex with King Viserys before Emma died. Like... Mushroom claims that Viserys cheated on Emma to have sex with teenage Alicent, um, and that was going on for a while beforehand. Mushroom also claims that Alicent performed sexual favours for the old king Jaehaerys, because in the books, uh, Alicent, like, looked after and, like, nursed uh, the old king Jaehaerys um, before Jaehaerys died and Viserys became king. And I think, I guess we're getting some of that vibe from Alicent, like, sponge-bathing Viserys um, in this episode. Like, they haven't mentioned the jaehaerys Alicent relationship in House of the Dragon, so I guess they're sort of transferring that into uh, the Alicent viserys relationship instead. Uh, I think it's really interesting how the show often, like, takes bits and pieces from other parts of the story and other parts of the books and then integrates it into House of the Dragon. So even when they are inventing things and sort of changing things, they're still using book material as much as they can. Which is interesting. But yeah, this fella Mushroom has no end of salacious tales to tell. And um, it will be very exciting if we get to actually see him. Thanks for the super chat from Madison and from Aradrill, who says, which Baratheon was that at the start of the episode? Um, the, the Baratheon was Boromund Baratheon. He's the Lord of Storm's End. And uh, yeah, like the, the Lords of the Realm may be important later on because these are the most important people in the realm and uh you know like mostly house of the dragons so far has been very focused on the targaryen family specifically but they are not the only important characters thanks for the super chat from jackson who says the moon tea is a smart way to check if rainiera lost her virginity if she drinks it it will 100 percent confirm it yeah that's a good that, that's a good point i guess like if rainiera did not drink the tea then that might suggest that she didn't have sex after all, so she chooses not to drink it because she doesn't need it. But what if Rhaenyra realizes that that's what they're doing, so Rhaenyra might drink it unnecessarily uh, just to make them think that, like, what if she thinks that they think that she thinks, you know what I mean? And yeah, again, the moon tea uh, induces a period, so it prevents pregnancy, like a plan B sort of thing. Another another thing they mentioned in this episode, we, we didn't see Lord Corlys Velaryon this episode, but they did mention that Corlys Velaryon is looking at marrying his daughter Lena to the uh, son of the Sea Lord of Bravos, which is interesting. So, like, Corlys uh, failed to get Lena married to the king Viserys, um, so Corlys is like, well, if you won't marry my daughter, then I'll find someone who will. And Bravos is one of the most powerful of the free cities in the East. Uh, Bravos was founded by slaves who escaped uh, the Valyrian Empire. Um, and so uh, Viserys is worried in this episode that if Corlys starts making alliances outside of Westeros with other powerful people, that, that could potentially be a threat to the Targaryens. So it's sort of, um highlighting that, that Viserys may have fucked up by um, by insulting Corlys and not marrying him. And so that's part of why Viserys is saying, hey, Rhaenyra, you've got to marry Laenor because we've got to keep the Valarions on our side. Because if they teamed up with other people, that might uh, turn people against us. I really enjoyed uh, Daemon's entrance um, when he just strolled into the throne room and dropped the crab feeder's hammer 
the hammer that the crab feeder used to like stake people to the beach so that they drowned and got eaten by crabs. Um, I like how he just dropped the hammer on the ground and said, add it to the throne, add it to the others. I think that was, um, that was fun. It's not the first time we've heard that. Barristan Selmy in episode one threw his sword to the ground and said, there, melt it down and add it to the others. So it's, you know, it's a reminder that the Iron Throne is made of the swords of Targaryen conquests. Every sword is an enemy who the Targaryens have defeated. Um, so it, the Iron Throne is an embodiment of everyone who fucked with the Targaryens and found out. <laughs> um, I also thought it was uh, a, a notable touch that they said that um, Daemon fucking crucified 2,000 Triarchy pirates on the beach. Um Daemon imitated the crab feeder's torturous execution method. He fed a bunch of pirates to the crabs, which again, like, hey, maybe Daemon's not a good dude. Maybe nailing people to the beach to be eaten alive. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe Daemon's a bad guy, guys. Maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's a bad guy. Thanks for the super chat from Karthik, who says, do you think Otto is really cruel? And who do you think the next hand is going to be? I'm not going to spoil who the next hand is going to be, but I hope that Viserys chooses someone who he can rely on for unbiased advice. Um, No, sorry, I I don't want to spoil stuff. Anyway, um, Karthik says, do you think Otto is really cruel? I think it was very manipulative of Otto to use his teenage daughter, Alicent, to sexually manipulate the king and to further his family's interests. Um, there's not a lot of warmth between Otto and Alicent. If Otto does love Alicent, he, he doesn't do a great job of showing it. Um, and, you know, Otto pushing the rights of his grandson Aegon over Rhaenyra is potentially creating divisions and potential conflict in the realm. So I, I, I don't think Otto is a good guy, no. But I, I think that there are definitely some sympathetic aspects to him. Uh, Thanks for the super chat from Mick and from Jacob, who says, a little off topic, but with all of the Game of Thrones spinoff shows, which are you most excited for slash interested in? So, so far, uh, they have mentioned a potential Game of Thrones spinoff prequel show about Nine Voyages, which would be like the prehistory of the sea snake, Corlys, about his voyages around the world. Um, I think that could potentially be interesting. It sounds very expensive if they're going to show all of these exotic places that Corlys sailed to. But, I mean, there's certainly potential for, you know, adventure and cool shit happening. Um, There's also the 10,000 Ships, which is about Nymeria, who has been brought up a bunch of times. The fact that they've brought up Princess Nymeria so often in House of the Dragon, that might be a hint that HBO is serious about making a Nymeria show. I think Nymeria might be more exciting than Nine Voyages to me because Nymeria went to Sothorios and Yeen and all of these super exotic places like where there's like Lovecraftian Blackstone mystery jungle crap going on. And also it's like foundational to like Dornish culture and we're going to see some Valyrian dragon lords and the and the Roinish water sorcerers fighting the Valyrians. I mean, there's all sorts of cool shit that we could see in uh, a show about Nymeria. Although, again, it does sound very expensive. So HBO is really going to want to be getting their money back on this stuff, I would think. Um, there is also the Jon Snow show. That the, it's been reported that HBO is developing a, a, a sequel TV show about Jon Snow after the events of Game of Thrones Season 8, I suppose. And George Martin has blogged about it and said that, like, yeah, this is like a real thing. 
Um, which to me honestly sounds like a terrible idea because like Game of Thrones season eight was such a downer and like Jon Snow's story in particular because he didn't he just he didn't really do anything except for kill his girlfriend and then get sad and then go north. Um, you know, I guess he could, you know, hang out with the wildlings and maybe help resolve some wildling related disputes, I guess. He could meet the Scargosi, he could hang out with some Fens, he could date a new redhead, I don't know. Maybe they can bring back the White Walkers. The Jon Snow show sounds like a bad idea to me, because I just don't know where you narratively go after Game of Thrones season 8, unless it's some really sort of like small scope drama type thing. Um, but George Martin seems to think it's a good idea, so hell, we'll, we'll find out. Um, what other prequels are there? There's talk of a Duncan Egg spin-off show. Um, I would love to see a Duncan Egg spin-off show, but I would like George Martin to finish the series first because he's only written three out of the 10 or 12 books that he is planning to write in the series. So I would prefer George to finish the story before we get an adaptation. Uh, there was also talk of, of like a Doom of Illyria TV show, which apparently got cancelled, and a Blood Moon um, Age of Heroes show that also got cancelled. So, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, Duncan Egg, even just the first three stories would be cool, but um, I don't know. Let, 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 let's just make House of the Dragon first and see where we go from there. Thanks for the super chat from Miguel, who says, do you think they want to put emphasis on the prince that was promised, given what, what happened? Yeah, I, I agree that it's weird that they're even bringing up the prince that was promised, when the prince of the promised prophecy didn't even really quite seem to happen in Game of Thrones season 8 when Arya jumped in. But hey, maybe they'll say something to recontextualize it later. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Tyler, who says, I'm surprised this show hasn't been called woke, even though it points out the patriarchy. Glad we haven't seen the show attacked. <laughs> I think there's lots of people angry about all sorts of things on Twitter and wherever. But, um, yeah, it's best not to listen to people who are just being negative for the sake of being negative. And um, I'm mostly enjoying the way they've handled the themes of the show. I, I, I don't think it's come across as like preachy, personally. Like, it, like it's it, like, you know, I guess maybe you could accuse it of being heavy handed with some of the themes. But um, this has always been a big part of what A Song of Ice and Fire is about. You know, characters like Brienne and characters like Cersei and characters like Sansa and, like, the trouble they've had in societies that are weighted against women in a lot of ways. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's just about, um, you know, women having a hard time. It's also about men having a hard time. And A Song of Ice and Fire itself, you know, the way it handles women is not unimpeachable either, especially the book Fire and Blood. So, you know, I hope we can all manage to have an opinion about a TV show that's more complicated than just it's great or it's bad. But, you know, whatever helps us sleep at night. Thanks for the super chat from My20somethings, who says, Was someone watching from the closet when she was doing the deed? Uh, I mean, the orgy scene with Daemon and Rhaenyra when they were in that brothel, like, yeah, there were a bunch of people having sex and watching each other, and it was all very bacchanal, is that the word? It was, uh, I think it was meant to evoke, like, an ancient Roman orgy or something. Like, there's lots of talk about, you know, ancient Rome being decadent and, you know, given over to pleasure and people eating and eating and then vomiting in the vomitorium and then eating again. And, you know, some of that is not historically true. 
I've heard. I'm not a historian. But um, I think that the showrunners are definitely emphasizing this idea that the Targaryens are really rich, they're really decadent, they're really enjoying material pleasures and material things. And I think that that sort of decadence and arrogance comes before the fall and before the decline um, in a lot of stories. So... I think that's part of why they had this whole the whole orgy scene going on. And the orgy was like emphasizing, you know, like women having sex with women and men with men and it it was a very like cool and progressive orgy <laughs> as far as like, you know, medieval Westeros goes. Um they seem pretty chill about homosexuality at least in that particular brothel. Um so, you know, and, and I'm also interested, like, like in terms of, you know, complaining about wokeness and stuff, um, I'm interested if the, if racism is going to be a theme in House of the Dragon. Because, like, the Valerions being black is a change from the books. And um, in the books, there are, like, occasionally black characters in Fire and Blood. And sometimes there's, like, some racism against them. I mean, sometimes it's cool. But, like, you know, like, one Targaryen princess, like, like screams in fright when she sees a black man and, and thinks that he's a demon because he has dark skin. Um, and also, like, the character Alaras in book four of Game of Thrones, like, people say some racist shit to her, uh, or him, depending on who you think that character is. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that or if they address that. Thanks for the super chat from Shayan, who says, do you believe in R plus L equals J? Well, the Game of Thrones TV show, in the Game of Thrones TV show, Jon Snow is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. That's what R plus L equals J is. Um, and I think that that probably is true in the books as well. Um, some people don't believe R plus L equals J and they reckon that John is the son of like Ashara Dane and Ned Stark or something. I, I think that it makes the most sense for John to be the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna. I think it's pretty clear that that is the direction that George is going in, but I'm very interested to learn more about what was the Rhaegar Lyanna relationship? What were the motivations there? What really happened? How were the Danes involved? I think the Danes might have been involved. Um, so I think there's still a lot of mystery and a lot to learn there. Thanks for the super chat from Stephen, who says maybe in the Jon Snow sequel show, they'll reveal that there's another Night King or that Craster's baby is now a new threat. Yeah, I mean, they could bring back the White Walkers. I mean, the White Walkers always have been a like recurring threat. Because, you know, supposedly there was another long night. Like, this is not the first time the, the White Walkers came in Game of Thrones Season 8. It happened thousands of years previously. Um, it seems to be like a seasonal recurring thing. So, like, when Arya killed the Night King in Game of Thrones Season 8, does that mean that all the White Walkers are gone forever? Or does that just mean that this long night was defeated? You know? Um, and there's speculation that maybe in the books they might have to do something more in order to truly end the White Walker threat. Um, and some people like like the YouTuber LML have theories about like uh, the White Walkers are like the the spirits of the Weirwoods and they need to like go back into the Weirwoods and the Children of the Forest fucked it up and there's there's all sorts of theories. Thanks for the super chat from Peter who said Rhaenys said that Daemon didn't touch her, which was a lie. Yeah, Rhaenys definitely told some lies to Alicent under the Godswood tree, but I think when she swore that she didn't have sex with Daemon, like when she swore on her mother's memory, maybe that part wasn't a lie. I'm not sure. Thanks for the super chat from Dwan, who says, I think that Rhaenyra lying is understandable, but I'm a bit weirded out by how well she lies. 
We've never seen her lie before, so I guess she's just a natural. Yeah, well, it, it was so sad when Alison said that it's not in Rhaenyra's nature to be deceitful. Which I think is true. Like, Rhaenyra, like, what we've seen of her so far, it seems like she's a person who tends to just say what she thinks. Because as a princess, you know, she feels like she's able to speak out. Whereas Alicent sort of tries to say what's expected of her. So it's really tragic that, like, Alicent was sticking up for Rhaenyra and saying, I believe Rhaenyra. I believe that she was telling the truth when we know that Rhaenyra was lying. So, yeah, it's so tragic. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, Rhaenyra's lie felt like a sort of natural emotional reaction like like Rhaenyra seemed sort of outraged and angry was her sort of reaction and I think people act angry when they feel afraid you know and Rhaenyra would feel very afraid about this accusation so I think I think that makes a lot of sense um thanks for the super chat from Saint who says every time you speak about Arya killing the Night King I remember Benioff's face ex explaining why they did that. Y you know how they do like an inside the episode behind the scenes feature at the end of every episode. To my knowledge, they never released the inside the episode for the finale of Game of Thrones, season eight, season eight, episode six. D did they ever release that? I mean, actually, yeah. I, well, I do remember Benioff saying, oh, I think we should have Arya kill the Night King because it was unexpected. It was a surprise and that's why they did it. Maybe they did release it. I don't know. Whatever. Thanks for the super chat from Dank, who says, Now that we know about Aegon's dream, do you think he mentioned it to the Starks, who also knew about the same prophecy, and that's why the king who knelt, knelt? Yeah, so when Aegon conquered Westeros, he went and burned the men of the Reach, and he burned the Lannisters of the West, and he made the Vale surrender, and he made the, river, the Riverlands surrender when he burned Harrenhal. But the Starks did not fight Aegon because they saw everyone else kneel to Aegon and they were like, you know what? Okay, we will kneel. We will surrender. And I think there is that detail that um, King Torrin Starks, was it his bastard brother, Brandon Snow? And Brandon went, he, he crept over to Aegon's side and he was intending to kill Aegon's dragons with weirwood arrows. But they had a conversation and like there was some sort of conversation that went on and then the Northmen agreed to surrender to the Targaryens. And yeah, there is speculation that maybe what happened is that Aegon said, yo, like Starks, listen up. There's this whole White Walker situation. That's why we've got to take over Westeros. We've got to deal with these White Walkers. And the Starks were like, hey, funny coincidence. We are the Kings of Winter. We also have some awareness of the White Walkers. There must always be a Stark in Winterfell. You know, we look after the Night's Watch. We look after the Wall. Winterfell has magic to fight against the White Walkers. So maybe there was some kind of agreement. Maybe there was some kind of pact of ice and fire, you might say. And that might have been why Torrin surrendered to Aegon Targaryen. I, th I think that is a reasonable theory. Personally, I hope that they don't go too far in making everything about this prophecy. I like when normal human relatable motivations and like ambition are what drive it. Like I like when the politics is about politics, not all about magic. I think that like prequel stories especially uh, sometimes make the original story worse if they make it seem like everything was destined from the start. And I think sometimes like the Star Wars prequel shows are guilty of that sometimes. So I, I don't want everything to be predestined. I want there to be a bit of free will. I want there to be a bit of chance. I want there to be a bit of normal human motivation. I don't want everything to be justified by saving the world in the future. Thanks for the super chat from Zach, who says, why did the gold cloak who try to stop Rhaenyra let her go? And is he important? 
Yeah, so that gold cloak was none other than Harwin Strong, if I'm not mistaken. Because um, wasn't... Yeah, this fella, that's that. That's Harwin Strong. I'm pretty sure the subtitles say that he is... Yeah, Sir Harwin. That is Harwin Strong, who we met last episode. They didn't do a great job of um, making it clear that he's Harwin. Um, so, so Harwin is the eldest son of um, Lionel Strong. Uh this fella, the guy who was really enjoying Rhaenyra's uh, bloodied up uh, appearance after she killed the boar. That's Harwin Strong, called Breakbones, said to be the strongest knight in the realm. That's Sir Harwin. And Sir Harwin now serves in the Gold Cloaks in the City Watch um, while he's in King's Landing. So he's actually like got a job in King's Landing while he's here with his father Lionel, who's on the small council. Um, so that is why Harwin let Rhaenyra go. And also because Damon was once in charge of the Gold Cloaks. So it seems as though there's some kind of like relationship or some kind of understanding there. And it's, you know, Harwin, Harwin seems to be once again, like enjoying and admiring Rhaenyra's sort of badassness. So, yeah, like, I, I think that, you know, Harwin's letting her go because, you know, he knows that she's the princess. So she's letting her do what she wants. And also, I wonder if there might be some kind of relationship or understanding between Harwin and Damon, because Damon was once in charge of the Gold Cloaks. Thanks for the super chat from Paul, who says, is Humphrey Teague the second Azor High? Definitely. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Mark, who says, when Otto first heard about the rumor, the kid said it was from the White Worm, that is Mazaria. What did Mazaria have to gain from telling Otto? Yeah, I think that is a great question. I don't... I, I think that it's possible that Mazaria is trying to get back at Daemon. Like, Mazaria told Otto that Daemon had sex with Rhaenyra to get Daemon in trouble. Because Mazaria was talking in episode two about how Daemon swore to protect her. But then Daemon just, like, fucked off to the Stepstones to have a war for personal glory. Um, so I think... I, I wonder if Mazaria might be, like, pissed off at Daemon and is sort of trying to get back at him. Um, but I don't know. I, I think Mazaria remains mysterious and they are going a, a little bit off the book there with Mazaria. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, thanks for the super chat from Kaiser who says maybe Rhaegar found the dagger causing everything. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I mean the, the, the special prophecy dagger isn't, isn't super significant in the A Song of Ice and Fire books. Um, I mean, I guess it, it could become significant, but like at the moment, the dagger is just on Littlefinger's hip in the books. So, um, so I, I guess the dagger could have been held by Rhaegar, but it's not been mentioned. Thanks to the super chat from Shinobiest, who says, Kispin up with the Targaryens. Uh, will Cole pick duty or love? Yeah, well, like Crispin, Crispin, Kristen Cole, um, you know, as we talked about with, with Jamie and the Kingsguard, like, like being torn between your love and your duty is something that George Martin plays with all the time. You know, Jon Snow had a duty to the Night's Watch, but he had love for Ygritte and he was forced to choose. So we can definitely speculate that Kristen might be forced to choose between, you know, if he has affections for Rhaenyra and his duty to the Kingsguard. Um, thanks for the super chat from Darnell Cool J and from Studio, who says, thanks for all the fantastic coverage. Appreciate your well-reasoned analysis. Thank you, Studio. Uh, Sodom says, I loved the nightlife of King's Landing. Pretty, pretty great party. 
like, is that just an average Friday night in Flea Bottom or is that like a festival night? I liked how there was like a, there was a guy doing like fire magic, it seemed like. Um, or maybe he was just playing with like some, you know, explosive flammable powder. Like Melisandre in the books talks about how she has like real fire magic, but she also sometimes just uses like fake fire magic. Like sometimes she just uses like powders and like tricks and like materials that can create the illusion of fire magic and can like change the color of fire or do sorts of interesting cool things. So like sometimes there's a blurry line between like real magic and like illusions. Um, thanks for the super chat from Plumsify, who says, what was on Daemon's neck? Yeah, it, it looked like some scarring or some burn marks or something on Daemon. Um, maybe that's something that he sustained in his battle in the Stepstones. Um, he doesn't seem to be limping from those arrows anymore, though. Thanks for the super chat from Ryan, who says that Lionel Strong was too reasonable to be in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I love how everyone is just, like, 100% on Lionel Strong's side, uh, because, you know, in the previous episode, when everyone was assailing King Viserys with the fucking politicking, Lionel Strong was the one guy who was like, you know what? I don't think you should do the thing that helps me. I think you should do the thing that helps you. Like, and he gave unbiased advice. So everyone is, um, everyone loves Lionel now. Although we shouldn't forget that, you know, in episode one, uh, Lionel was saying, hey, Rhaenyra should definitely not be in charge because she's a girl. Um, so it's worth keeping in mind that as much as we might love Lionel Strong, Lionel Strong might not support Rhaenyra Targaryen. Um, Emmanuel Lugo speculates that maybe since um, Mazaria was the one who told Otto that Daemon had sex with Rhaenyra, maybe Mazaria was also the one who told Otto about Daemon giving the heir for a day speech that got Daemon banished from Viserys. Yeah, that I think is an interesting idea. I think that's an interesting idea because like in the books, they they do talk about um, who told the king and who told Otto about Daemon's heir for a day speech. And like it suggests a few different possible people who might have been the person who told about this heir for a day speech. Um, and given that it's Mazaria who tells Otto about Daemon having sex with Rhaenyra, yeah, I think that's a good theory. Maybe Mazaria told, um, told Otto about the heir for a day thing. Although, like, it's weird because Mazaria was at the same time, like, in the next episode, telling Daemon, hey, like, you gotta protect me. So, why would Mazaria be relying on Daemon for protection, but at the same time, be undermining Daemon by reporting all of his worst behavior to Otto Hightower. That um, might not make a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, she does seem to be behaving like a unofficial master of whisperers, for sure. Um, thanks for the super chat from Richard Cornell, who says, What was the tea that the maester brought? It is moon tea, and it induces a period to prevent pregnancy. Thanks for the super chat from Tommy, who speculates that the Blackwood kid might have been Samwell Blackwood. Thanks for the super chat from Jess, who enjoyed the fight. Thanks for the super chat from Dirty T, Dirty Loam, who says, was the plan B T a test? Yeah, if she drinks it, that, that admits that she had sex. Thanks for a super chat from Dwan, who feels bad for Otto. 
Sam is impressed with Emily Carey's performance. And from Coriander, who says, The business with Viserys's skin infections is reading like Maester conspiracy to me. Yeah, like some people think that, hey, maybe the Maesters are poisoning Viserys and like causing his uh, fingers to get worse and stuff. Because, yeah, like it doesn't seem as though the Maesters are very good at save at like curing Viserys, are they? Like in episode two, they were saying, hey, if we, you know, use maggots on your fingers, then your fingers will get better. But the fingers are not getting better. Viserys is following the medical advice, but he's not getting better. So maybe the Maesters are deliberately making him die, you know? But um, I think it's pretty clear that the Maesters are working with Otto. Like at least Grand Maester Melos is working with Otto. And I don't think it's in Otto's interests for Viserys to die right now. Because Viserys has not named Aegon heir to the throne. Like, that's what the Hightowers want. They want Aegon to inherit. And um, so I don't think the Hightowers would want Viserys dead until or unless Viserys names Aegon the heir. Thanks for the super chat from Viking Raider, who says, What are your favourite changes from the books? Um, I mean, there haven't been very many big changes from the books. I mean, I, I think that they've... Mostly just, like, filled in the blanks that weren't explained in the books. I, I think that Daemon... I, I did enjoy Daemon's, like, declaration um, when he was on Dragonstone and when he declared he would marry Mizaria as a second wife and also that he specifically stole the dragon egg that was going to be baby Balon's dragon egg. I think that was a really good way of making that dragon egg theft even more dramatic and even more personal, you know? It seems like exactly the sort of shit that this daemon would do. It's it's so just intent and calling himself the rightful heir. Like it's really balls out. It's really aggressive. It's really shit stirring. And I think it's in character. And so I think that's a cool change. Uh, thanks for the, uh, the super chat from Jesus or Jesus, who says, just saw the most embarrassing thing in the episode. Can't believe the Blackwood kid actually killed that guy. It is a pretty crazy violent thing to do in the middle of, like, a peaceful court. But that that's Blackwoods and Brackens for you. They've been fighting each other for a long time. Okay, we're going to wrap up this this uh, live stream shortly. Thank you all so much for participating. Uh, I'm going to quickly answer as many Super Chats if I, as I can. I'm sorry if I miss any. Uh, so I'll do a lightning round to try and answer the rest of the Super Chats. So... Kenworth says, do you think the show is doing a good job at creating grey characters? Um, and Kenworth says that only Daemon has been the really awful one. Yeah, I, I agree that Daemon is probably the most, like, objectively evil, quote-unquote, in the series. Yeah, almost everyone else. I mean, even Daemon, like, we at least get an understanding of Daemon's feelings. Like, like Daemon really wants validation from his brother, and he feels left out, and he's got a lot of pent-up energy that he can't seem to express and he's got a lot of frustration and uh he's got sort of you know he, he has a lot of admiration for the targaryen valyrian heritage and that makes him feel special and like he doesn't have to follow the rules so but yeah no i, I do agree that almost all of these characters have done good things and bad things and mostly for understandable reasons so yeah i think they've done a good job uh thanks for the super chat from amethyst who appreciated the female director giving the female gaze uh, and Amethyst said, did you hear about the, the deleted scene in episode two? I heard about the deleted scene where there was Rhaenyra helping Alicent get ready for her marriage. I, I did, I did hear about that. Hopefully we'll see it on the Blu-ray. 
Thanks for the super chat from Emin, who says, I feel like Johnny Boy coming back to Westeros could potentially be sick. Yeah, I mean, in the Jon Snow sequel show, if that happens, I guess Jon Snow could potentially uh, come back and become king of Westeros because Jon Snow does have a strong claim on the throne as the son of Prince Rhaegar. Um, So I guess he could do that. But I mean, they would need to bring back a bunch of like characters from the original Game of Thrones like, are they going to bring everyone back? Do, do people really want a Game of Thrones 2? I don't know. I don't know if people want that. Maybe they do. I don't know. Thanks for the super chat from Amethyst, who says, poor Alicent in that sex scene. Yeah, I thought it was really great how they, like, contrasted and intercut how much fun um, Rhaenyra and Daemon were having while Alicent was having a miserable time with Viserys having sex with her. Um, like, it was such, like, a passionate, intimate... Um, fun thing when Rhaenyra was walking around the festival and going into the secret fancy orgy and then Alicent is just lying there passionless while Viserys is just grunting on top of her with his fucking disgusting infected body and wounds on his back and all that grossness Um, you know so not only with the sex but just like the the freedom and the fun um, that Rhaenyra was experiencing while Alicent was in this like cold just dead bedroom, I think was, yeah, I think that was really well done. Really great contrast. Thanks for the super chat from Gunnar, who says, what if the Night King did an ice clone like Sub-Zero and popped back beyond the wall when he got shanked? It's a mage gimmick. Yeah, maybe he just respawned, bro. He just respawned. Thanks for the super chat from Amethyst, who said, should we keep a tally on Mushroom or the Maester being proven right? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we could do that. Because, um, like, in Fire and Blood, you know, the mushroom uh, jester says one thing happened, and then the Septon Eustace says another thing happened. And so we could compare, you know, when House of the Dragon proves one of them right, we can figure out which one of them was right more often. Thanks for the super chat from the Timinator, who says, Do you think the new hand will be Corliss or Tom Bombadil? Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Melisandre because she could still be alive. So I would like Melisandre to be the Hand of the King. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Jay who says, Did Rhaenyra tell Kristen that the fuss isn't about him or is he sweating bullets right now? Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a great question. Like, does Kristen, like Kristen is, like, how much is Kristen aware that there is drama around the court about Rhaenyra hooking up with someone like does does Kristen realize does he know that he's off the hook or is he terrified every night that they're going to come for him yeah Kristen would be very scared right now uh thanks for the super chat from Shane who says was it the play that Rhaenyra and Daemon were watching reminiscent of the play about that Arya watched yeah so in Game of Thrones, uh, Arya watched a play that was performed by Isambaro and his company, and that was about Joffrey and Cersei and Ned and Tyrion, and so she got to see the the public's perception of, of what went on, uh, and she saw that Joffrey was portrayed as an innocent hero, you know, so yeah, it was a similar moment in the play in this episode, seeing how the Targaryens are perceived. Um, in Game of Thrones Book 4, Cersei has a bunch of street performers executed for the crime of insulting the Lannisters with a play, so it's uh, something that's in the books too. Thanks for the super chat from Makalaka, who says, No matter what happens in the show, Kristen Cole is king. 
got laid, made a Kingsguard, able to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, well, look, as long as he doesn't suffer any consequences for any of his actions, I'm sure Kristen will be fine. <laughs> but I will remind you that the final line of dialogue in this episode was, um, was unwanted consequences. Like, this entire episode is people making bad decisions that we may suspect will have unwanted consequences. You might as well call this show unwanted consequences. Um... Aaron says, what are Alicent's thoughts on Rhaenyra versus her son on the throne? I mean, last episode, Otto said, your son Aegon will be king. Uh, you know, don't you want your son to be king? And then Alicent was like, uh, what mother wouldn't want her son to be king? So Alicent dodged the question. And meanwhile, she was defending the idea of Rhaenyra being on the throne. So it seems as though Alicent doesn't want her son to be king. Um, but it's not super clear. She hasn't really totally said it either way. I mean, Alicent might be okay with the idea of Rhaenyra marrying Aegon. Like, in the books, it was Alicent who suggested that Rhaenyra should marry Aegon, because that would prevent any conflict between her son and her ex-best friend, you know? So it would make sense that Alicent would want peace between them. Thanks for the super chat from Zerg, who says that Targaryens are pretty saucy in general. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Wayne. Uh, yes, Sir Harwin Strong has joined the Gold Cloaks while he's in King's Landing. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Gunnar and Eric and Jess, who says the scene of Rhaenyra on the boat getting knocked over by Daemon. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Aru, who said, yep, we've already answered most of this stuff. Um, Rack9 says that the rat in the dragon skull connects to the idea that a thousand rats can bring down a bear, which is an idea in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, I guess the rat could represent like the common people, you know, like the the rat is not as powerful as the dragon, but there are lots of them. Um, so the power of the common people is a relevant idea and the com and the power of the lesser lords. Um, thanks for the super chat from Jaden, who says, was the bigger deal Rhaenyra doing incest or losing her virginity? Confused why Viserys cared about incest. Uh, yeah, I, the incest thing is not a concern for Viserys, I don't think. But the fact that Daemon was her uncle, as in he is someone of trust, who they should be able to trust, his family, and yet he screwed her, literally. Like, it, it, I mean, the problem is, th is that she had sex outside of wedlock. If you're married, it's fine. Um... The problem wasn't the incest. The problem wasn't even losing virginity. The problem was losing virginity outside of wedlock and the fact that she's a princess. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Abadi, who says, if the king believes that Rhaenyra had sex with Daemon, doesn't that contradict kicking out Otto for not being truthful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Viserys doesn't deny that Rhaenyra had sex or probably had sex. I think he's just realizing that, oh, wait, everything Otto has done has been in his self-interest or in the interest of Alicent and Aegon being on the throne. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny that the one time when Viserys turns against Otto, it's when Otto is doing something honest and truthful, you know? Like, yes, Otto stands to gain by undermining Rhaenyra, but, like, Viserys is punishing Otto for telling the truth. And I think that's sort of a pattern that happens throughout, like... Like, Viserys mostly just does the sort of weak, like, he just goes along with the path of least resistance most, most of the time. And in the rare moments that he goes against the path of least resistance, when he actually stands up and makes his own decision, it's usually a bad decision. Like when he refused to marry Lena and instead married Alicent, you know? 
um, that was thinking for himself for once, but it was probably a bad decision. I, th- I think that's sort of a pattern. And it's also, it's, it's almost like Rhaenyra. Like, Rhaenyra has not had many opportunities to um, think for herself. So when she does make her own decisions, sometimes they are bad decisions. Um, thanks for the super chat from Isaiah, who says, why was Alicent not pregnant in episode four? Uh, it's because she has given birth. Alicent has a daughter now. We saw her with her little daughter in this episode. It's it's like a year later or something. Alicent now has two children, baby Aegon and also a daughter. Thanks for the super chat from Zachary, who says, when can we expect more Akoka Bridged? There is a YouTuber uh, of low repute called Alt X that does a podcast called Game of Thrones Abridged that you might like to check out if you enjoy very long, rambling, drunken rants about the Game of Thrones books. Thanks for the super chat from G Baby, who says, why was Alicent so mad at Rhaenyra? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's no skin off Alicent's nose if Rhaenyra got knocked up. Um, I, th- I think partly it, it's, you know, Alicent feels envious at Rhaenyra, that Rhaenyra gets to do what she wants, but Alicent has to be, like, trapped in this marriage and has to follow the rules of being a lady, whereas Rhaenyra is going off and being rebellious. So, so I feel like there's an element of Alicent, like, doesn't like that Rhaenyra is doing what she wants when Alicent feels so constrained. Uh, I think that's part of it. And it also sort of just undermines the royal family in general. Like, it dishonors the royal family in the eyes of people for the princess to have sex out of wedlock. Um, it creates potential complications, you know? I, th- I think part of it is, like, Alicent is like, I'm doing my duty. Why are you not doing your duty? I feel like that's part of it. Thanks for the super chat from Laroc, who says, Do you think the Jon Snow sequel is George trying to fix the prince that was promised prophecy in the show's canon by having him address the White Walkers again? I mean, maybe, but, like, I don't know. Like, like, like George Martin's feelings about Game of Thrones season eight, like, he, he has never really talked about it in a lot of depth. I mean, he has sort of alluded to it. Like he has suggested that he's not happy with parts of season eight, but he's never really like said that outright. So if they do do a Jon Snow sequel and if George Martin is involved, yeah, I will be very interested to see like if he tries to retcon bits of season eight or something, because like House of the Dragon has had a lot of stuff that George Martin is like fixing stuff that he didn't like about the original Game of Thrones, like, you know, the colorful dragons, the colorful heraldry, bringing back Jaehaerys II, who was one of the kings historically that the Game of Thrones show didn't include. They just like skipped over him in the family trees and stuff. And George Martin added him back in in House of the Dragon. So like George Martin is in a position of more power now because HBO is listening to George more. They've given him more control over stuff. Uh, according to interviews. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if George has more creative control, maybe he'll be able to make things more faithful to his books. But also, if George is more involved in these shows, George will probably be spending less time on the goddamn book series that he has left unfinished for the past uh, 11 years. So, uh, who boy, who boy. Let's, let's hope he finishes The Winds of Winter. Thanks for the super chat from Mark, who says we should call the moon tea... Plan T. Thanks for the super chat from Poos Unpoos, who says the look that Otto had after he was fired was wild. Yeah, look, I, I think that Otto's actor did a great job of making us sympathetic to a not entirely great guy. Um, thanks for the super chat from Amethyst, who wonders if Millie Alcock had control over her nudity in the shots. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of 
influence the actor has. But I think there's talk in the interviews and stuff that they were trying to do it in a sensitive way. Thanks for the super chat from Ty, who hopes that Kristen Cole has a strong pullout game. I mean, he must have gotten in some practice because Kristen talked about his adventurous youth in the previous episode. So, you know, maybe or, or maybe Kristen is terrible and there's a bunch of Kristen Cole bastards running around in the Dornish marches. That also is possible. Thanks for the super chat from Inertia, who says, would you not pull the auto move if it had the possibility of your grandson having a dragon? No one will be able to make fun of you since you have dragons. Yeah. That's what all these lords are thinking. That, that's why Jason Lannister was saying, yo, Rhaenyra, I could totally build you a dragon pit. All these lords want dragons. Um, and I think it is almost a plot hole that, like, why did the Targaryens let the Valarions get dragons? Like, like, why did the Targaryens let Laenor Valarion get the dragon sea smoke? How did that happen? What, what are the circumstances there? Um, because... Like, Targaryen power comes from them exclusively having dragons. Only they have dragons, and that's why they are the most powerful in Westeros. If they let other families get dragons, that could drastically undermine their power. So, uh, yeah, Otto would love it if his grandson got a dragon. Thanks for the super chat from Noble, who says, Why was the child that reported to Otto also reporting to Mazaria? Uh, because it looks like the spies are working for Mazaria, and Mazaria is working with Otto feeding information to Otto, which is mysterious. I'm very curious to know what the relationship is between Mazaria and Otto. Is Mazaria betraying Daemon in supporting Otto? Yeah, seems like it. Thanks for the super chat from Carson, who says, Kristen was made Kingsguard by Rhaenyra, which means if she demands hanky-panky, he's got no choice but say, yes, mom. Otherwise, she could have his head. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, but like... You know, he's a grown-ass man, and she's a teenage girl. Uh, I, I think that he probably could have left if he really wanted to, and probably should have. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe Kristen might be afraid that Rhaenyra would say that Kristen did something untoward, even if he didn't. Uh, I guess it's a complicated situation, but uh, I think that Kristen should probably not have porked the teenage princess. Thanks for the super chat from Silverscale, who says, I love how all the men can subvert the patriarchy whenever they want, but they force the women to obey because they know the patriarchy serves them. Yeah, well, that power dynamic is definitely part of it. And, and you know, and in episode one, I mean, throughout, they, they have sort of shown how prophecy and like like Viserys's personal ambitions are part of what got Emma killed like he said in the previous episode that you know my desire for a son because of these dreams led me to kill Emma by impregnating her even after I knew that she had a history of miscarriages and she had a history of dangerous births so yeah that's definitely something they're playing with um and Vanzetti says they want George to finish Duncan Egg more than they want a Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, look, I mean, Duncan Egg would be cool. The, the, the Duncan Egg stories are, uh, they're fun. They're more lighthearted, and it's probably more easy for George to write some more Duncan Egg than, um, than it is for him to write The Winds of Winter. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Guys, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, I think I got all of your super chats. Thanks very much. Um, we're going to have the explained video out around approximately Friday. That'll be the proper edited video essay and, uh, press the subscribe button and the bell. So you'll see it. Um, you might like to subscribe to the Alt Shift X podcast and the Alt Shift X audio podcast. There are two Alt Shift X podcasts. It's a little bit confusing, but the audio podcast is the one that has audio from all these videos. So if you want to listen to the Alt Shift X videos as 
an audio feed on Spotify or whatever, you can. There's a link in the description. Um, and the Old Shift X podcast has like some chats and interviews and stuff. Sometimes you can check that out. And if you want to get a t-shirt with the Alt Shift X logo, I mean, look, your significant other would look great in that t-shirt. So I think you should go to standard.tv slash Alt Shift X and get one of those t-shirts. Wouldn't you look great in that t-shirt? All right. That's enough shilling. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, everybody. We're going to start working on the video essay and uh, like and subscribe. And you might like to follow on Twitter. YouTube doesn't notify anyone, so Twitter can be a good way to be notified when the videos come out. Um, any, any last minute questions in the in the live chat I can answer? Oh, episode, episode five preview before you end. Okay, let, let's have a quick look at the episode five preview. Um, so if you don't want to see the preview teaser trailer for episode five, you might want to avert your eyes. But let's have a look-see. Oh, man. Premiere is freezing up a bit. All right. Um, so we have a marriage proposal, uh, I suppose, between Rhaenyra and Lainor. We have some Valerian ships. This looks like the wedding. Rhaenyra is not looking super thrilled about being married to Lainor Valerion, but she does have some pretty cool hair. Heralding in a second Age of Dragons. That is one of the things that Viserys talked about, was like uniting the two uh, dragon-riding families. Like the, you know, Sea Smoke and Melis, uh, the dragons of Laenor and Rhaenys, will be united with the family of Cyrax and Caraxes. So it does seem like a good idea to marry the dragon riders together. So I suppose this is Melis, the Red Queen, the dragon of Rhaenys Targaryen. There seems to be a bit of, like, discoloration on her wings. Um, I guess that might indicate that she's an older dragon, because Melis is older, whereas Sea Smoke is a younger dragon. It seems as though there's a little bit of, like, red on Sea Smoke, which is a bit weird. Like, the books describe Sea Smoke as, like, silvery grey, but in House of the Dragon, Sea Smoke is more red and grey, seems to me. Um, we see the dragons, we see Rhaenyra looking out over the sky, like Luke Skywalker. I think Rhaenyra is really dreaming of freedom, you know? Uh, we haven't seen Rhaenyra on a dragon since episode two. I think the, the dragon is certainly a symbol of freedom. Uh, Rhaenys says that Rhaenyra's succession will be challenged. It's not going to be easy for Rhaenyra to take the throne. Um, we see the Lannisters coming back into town, both played by Jefferson Hall. Here's Lord Jason Lannister in some drip. I, I was kind of disappointed um, in the previous episode that Jason Lannister was wearing some kind of drab clothes. Like, he, his clothes just didn't look like the clothes of, like, the second richest person in Westeros behind the Valerions. Um, like, this is what Jason was wearing. Like, I guess this is, like, his hunting clothes. So these are not his fanciest clothes. He's got a little, like, gold buckle there. But I like that this outfit looks a bit more wealthy. Like, he's he's literally wearing gold, like, gold silk shirt or something. So that's cool. That looks like Hobart Hightower in the background with his wife. Um, so all the important lords are coming to town to go to the royal wedding. Um... Kristen Cole with Alicent. Oh, Kristen is looking real uncomfortable there. <laughs> oh, Kristen's thinking like, oh, does she know that I boned the princess? Oh, no. Uh, he, he looks like a very uncomfortable man. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, we see someone fighting someone. 
Is that potentially uh, Joffrey Lonmouth? And that looks like Lenor Valarion. Someone's fighting someone at the wedding. There's all this violence breaking out at random times when there shouldn't be violence. Um, all this pent-up aggression showing. Uh, and it looks like Harwin Strong is getting in on the action. There's a goddamn brawl at the wedding. Bloody hell, this, this reminds me of, uh, of the brawl at my wedding. Um, Kristen Cole seems to be beating someone up. Uh, so yeah, it looks like the royal wedding is not going to go very smoothly. But hey, it's Game of Thrones, you know. Like the red wedding was, um, the red wedding was pretty spicy. The purple wedding was pretty spicy. So I think the House of the Dragon wedding is going to be spicy too. Uh, call us for Larion in town for the royal wedding, I suppose. Otto says the king will die. Oh no, you don't think Viserys might die on this show, do you? Oh, that that would be bad, wouldn't it? Uh, Damon wearing his hood. He, uh, the hood makes him feel even more like a teenager to me. He's such like a rebel without a cause, you know? He's, he's, he, people who wear hoodies, you know? Wear hoodies, start fights, smack on their nieces. Everyone knows someone like that. Uh, Viserys looks extremely fucking unwell. It looks like his condition gets significantly worse. And it's interesting to see the maesters are all hovering around him like vultures while he's dying. Um... So it looks like Viserys is on the way out and the succession crisis is looking even worse. Uh, Rhaenyra seems to be caught up in this brawl at her own wedding. <laughs> what a way to start a marriage. Uh, someone's attacking someone. I guess Daemon's in this scene. Is someone attacking Daemon on the road? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Alicent overlooking the royal cart and Otto is telling Alicent your son Aegon will be king. So prepare him for rule. And Alison does not love that idea. It, I mean, it's funny that, you know, Rhaenyra is supposedly the heir, but we have not seen Rhaenyra prepared for rule very well, have we? And that's one of Viserys's big failures, is not training um, Rhaenyra to be the queen. Whereas you better believe that Otto wants his kid Aegon to be trained to be king, despite the fact that he's like three years old. So... Uh, <laughs> how do you give political to instruction to a teenager? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, it looks like things are going to start getting real. Uh, like, all these episodes so far have been about, like, establishing the relationships, creating some tension, creating some grudges. Um, is that Mushroom? Is is that a dwarf jester? Maybe he's Mushroom. That would be fun. Is Is he... or is he drumming? Is he is he a dwarf drummer? Are they going to make Mushroom a drummer in a rock band in House of the Dragon? That that would be fun. Uh, all right, we're wrapping it up. Thank you, thanks so much. Like and subscribe, and we'll start working on that video. Cheers.